Well, as we get going here, I had my one feedback on the last show, and the guy said, I love your podcast, but y'all got to quit talking over each other. Uh, and I said, what do you mean? He's like, this one guy kept saying, Eric's gone, Eric's gone again. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so, so if someone does kind of get kind of jittery uh, on the screen, and it's okay, Matt, I'm really not giving you a hard time. I love you, brother. Um, just remember this, that they are recording in real time, so we may not hear them, but when we do the, when we do it. Now, if you don't hear what they say, just say, hey, can you repeat that? That's Three, say, hey. two, one, zero. You're listening to the Knives Templars. All right, so uh, episode 11, guys, here we are. Uh, what is today? Today is the 15th of July. We yep. started this back in January, and so that means that uh, 2022, uh, again, we're going to be at episode 100, uh, I believe, when uh, Matthew Rich's children are in college in about tw- 10 years. And I'm kicking the bucket. Episode 100, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we're doing great. Hey, guys, I have a, uh, we've got a great new show this week, and we are excited to have everybody here. We've got Eric Rivers, Odysseer Pinto, Chris Jones, Joey Terrio, Matthew Rich, and we've got a special guest because, as you know, with Pops Knife Supply, uh, we've partnered up, and we've uh, started a new segment called The Maker's Mark. And I'm quite excited because this week we've got a guy that's pretty well known. Uh, you can see him at FryCustomKnives.com. His name is Jason Fry. And uh, hey, Jason, hey, welcome. How are y'all doing? Tickled to have hey, you Jason. here. Glad to be here. Uh, Jason, just so you guys know, Jason uh, is a behavioral analyst. And I'm not quite sure what that means, but I know that there's nothing we can do <laughs> To put on a good face tonight because he's going to be able to figure us out one way or the other. So there you go. Uh, if, if you start hitting well just, yourself in the head or being aggressive, I know how to fix that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> well, Matthew Rich has got Tourette, so just just disregard that. <laughs> I got a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah. In addition to that, he is a knife maker. He likes to write uh, material, so he's an author. I guess you've done magazine blogs and uh, I've done a books. few things. So right now, I'm I'm, uh, I'm writing for Blade and Knives Illustrated, and uh, I'm writing on behalf of the Knife Makers Guild. And I've got three books out in print too. So yeah, wow. stay busy. He he. he all right, for sure. Well, it, it doesn't stop there. He was on Forged in Fire. I think it was season right. season five, five twenty six. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he is a member of the Knife Makers Guild and the American Bladesmith Society. And are you still the vice president of the uh, Knife uh, Makers Guild? So I'm the vice president of the Texas Knife Makers Guild. I am okay. on the board of gotcha. the Big Boys Knife Makers Guild also. I'm just like the junior baby gotcha. board of directors guy. Um, but I am on the board of that one. <laughs> well, you know, it sounds like we've got a little bit of royalty, no, no, so to no. speak, on the... Uh, no, I, I said that we all are humble here, but when we and part of being humble is recognizing people well, that you. have great Appreciate skills it. and have, have uh, certainly grown to where uh, we all may or may not want to grow. But uh, certainly, uh, when you have somebody on that is that uh, vested into what we all love to do every day, um, we're going to not necessarily put you on a pedestal, but we're going to hold you up and listen uh, to what you have well, to say today. So, guys, as we always do, find out what's been going on. I hear Eric Rivers has some new internet service. Uh, how you doing, Eric? What's been going on? <clears throat> I'm doing good. I am happy that I have new internet service because having uh, kids that all have tablets and phones and all that stuff, uh, <coughs> at any given time, we could have seven things running off our internet. So it's definitely nice to have the upgrade and be able to have it reach out to the shop. 
so I'm happy about that. But really, it's just been working, working, working. My uh, my regular job's been kicking my butt lately. So it's uh, everybody decided they wanted to buy RVs. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, I'm waiting until they all are ready to start selling them. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it it's been crazy. Almost uh, I'd say probably 95 percent of the people buying them over the last two months were all first time RVers, people that have never pulled a trailer, people that have never had a motorhome, people that the the biggest vehicle they've ever had was a Toyota Camry, um, and they're buying a 40 foot, you know, motorhome and having to learn how to drive it and it, it's yeah wow so many people making random lifestyle choices that's a smart decision fly. with uh four dollar gas five dollar diesel i thought it would go down i thought that the, that's right that the market would change and and it, I, I, I was thinking okay cool well we're gonna you know this is gonna be a really boring you know june july well, the government August. was real excited no, to tell us it went down 30 percent or 30 cents <laughs> 30 cents 30 off cents. of five uh, bucks in some areas <laughs> yeah in, well, in to... california 30 cents makes it what seven dollars <laughs> uh, yeah probably, probably so <laughs> I, i'll tell you I, I know a little bit about that i went out and bought my first bass boat and i had a um a jeep cherokee and the guy said you're gonna need a little bit of b- bigger boat in that i'm like nah it's fine it's fine four wheel driving this that and the other and i went up to uh a uh, uh launch one time and the guy looked at me it was over in the next one over and you know there's always funny things that take place at the launch and i'm backing that boat down into the water and all of a sudden i'm sliding down and i got the brakes on all the way my foot's going through the floorboard my windows are down and i look over and i see the other guys i'm sliding backwards and he goes you got enough boat (laughs) 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 and i'm still in full slide but luckily i stopped the boat launched and uh and i got the jeep before it went into the water and uh (laughs) That's a big reason for going out and buying an F one hundred and fifty. Soon after that, I told my wife, "I got it. I got to sell it. I don't have enough. You know, I don't have enough truck for this boat anymore." So, oh, Eric, yeah. how's your? Uh, I, I think I know, but just to catch everybody up. How's the new uh, workshop coming? So it is actually coming along now. Uh, I will probably have a video release in for it within the next week or so. Uh, having all of the the framing done, so it'll be the walls framed the roof framed and uh getting ready to start decking the roof and all that stuff but i'll have a video out that is just getting the the main structure up and then uh i'll probably wait until i get the the roof and the walls finished and i'll do another video for for that and then i'll i'm going to be making the doors the double doors for the big entry and i'm going to show people how to actually uh make your own door and uh, especially mm-hmm. double doors and how to make them to where they actually are structurally sound and they don't bend and flex Same. and all that yep yep so i'll be doing a, a video on that showing people how to build that from scratch and um it's gonna be pretty cool but yeah i finally i'm at a point to where i can actually work on it son and it's decided that it's going to be 110 degrees for like the next week. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> it's so hot right now. <laughs> you, just, you just need to get you a big ranchero cowboy hat and you'll be fine. Tank top and ranchero <laughs> yeah. cowboy hat. Yep. So, hey, Eric, I remember when the... That's about it, though. Oh, go ahead. Eric, I remember when the Dallas Cowboys used to do their um, 
training camp in Wichita Falls. And yeah. I remember they, they used to say that Wichita Falls was the hottest place in Texas, like on average, like their highs in we the summertime. Are, yeah, we have we have broken lots of records, man. Uh, we set a, a record for the most consecutive days over 100 degrees without rain. We were in a stage five yeah. drought. Our lakes were at like five percent. And uh, and yeah, we've had, you know, 30, 40 days in a row over 100 degrees. Um and that is like it, yeah. it, it blows people away whenever they come here and they think oh arizona's hot <laughs> oh this other mm. place is hot and then they feel texas and then they feel yeah. wichita falls texas which is like right on the entry to the plains of america you know where we're we're just coming up elevation wise um mm-hmm. and we're just a freaking burning pot <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, getting closer and closer to the sun. Is that what snaps the tumbleweeds? Yes. They just dry up and snap yeah. in the wind. Yeah. Icarus. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was in oh, Abilene yeah, it and it was crazy. like 107. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you that's fine, but then you throw a big red, wet rag in the air and you come to Alabama, and uh, I'll agree with you. I'll be it's there high. next week. What are you doing in Alabama? Uh, well, I'm going to take the family uh, on a little vacation. Down in South Alabama? Yeah, Orange Beach. Well, oh, goodness nice. gracious. I'll be I'll down be there. there. In August. It looks like we're all getting to Orange Beach at the beach at the wrong. Not We're not uh, synchronized. <laughs> synchronized, right? right? Yeah. So, anyway. Otis here, what's going up in Maryland? 55 degrees and sunny and feels like fall? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Right. I wish. We've been hanging on the 90s, 95 today. Humid, terrible humidity. I don't know, man. It's it's been it's been hard. It's been really really hot. I'm not used to that heat anymore. No. Yeah. I missed the winter. You're wearing too many clothes. You not not like down in Brazil. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know too many people that can get used to the humidity. The heat. Well, I will tell you, the East Coast. Uh, here we are talking meteorology again on the night <laughs> show. But the the East Coast, we talk about everything. The East Coast uh, up around the Chesapeake Bay, it gets pretty nasty there in the summer yeah. summertime. Very muggy. My family, my family's Ex- up in Delaware, so yeah, I know that feeling. Extremely sticky. It's you know, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with this area, but the humidity is so high. Yeah. Well, it hasn't stopped you from making knives. I've seen you make a nice uh, full tang as well as put out some uh, hidden tang knives here recently. Yes, yeah, since last we spoke, I made five. Uh, two were uh, commissions, and I had some work done with that um, Alabama Damascus that I picked up on Blade. Extremely good stuff. And I uh, had another one, um, a hidden tank chopper, uh, falcata-ish kind of mix in there, you know. Well, I, uh, ha- I'm excited to tell you that Shegaman uh, Blade Wax is gracing your blade. I, uh, I mixed up some Blade Wax today, and uh, my knife looks similar to that. Uh, Jason, if you're looking to the video we got going right now. But... Um, I mixed up a uh, batch of uh, blade wax that'll last me probably about 10 years, but uh, 
I uh, I decided to use your knife rather than mine to see if it melted the steel or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it won't, but it was really it was it's really nice. I, I again, you can look up recipes online and and um, uh, some of the stuff I've had uh, that I've purchased in the past. Um, it's, it's somewhat the same, I'm sure. So anyway, I was excited to do that on your blade because I want to keep mm. it for a long time. Chris, uh, have you? Uh, You've been on any trips lately? I know we talked last, Las Vegas was the last time you were traveling. What you been doing? Uh, let's see. Since Las Vegas, I've been to Dallas, Atlanta, Seattle, and Memphis. So, oh wow, work's got me moving. So it's, travel's kind of slowing down. I don't have anything planned the rest of July, um, and probably not anything until mid-August. I may have to go up to Dallas and then to New York City or something. But um, yeah, that's been kind of keeping me busy, and then. Um, it's not for the full week. I'm usually gone for two to three days. Um, mm-hmm. Seattle was the full week, but it was nice. Seattle, the weather was was really great. It was a nice, you know, uh, break from the heat. But I can um, imagine. Yeah, I've been doing that. Been, um, you know, working with my son on uh, on some of the 3D printing stuff and the cosplay stuff that that he's into, and and you know, going to comic cons, and so you know, kind of taking a little bit of a break uh, from some of the the knife stuff this summer. Um, still working on a couple, um, you know, gifts that I needed to work on or, um, donated one recently to, um, a charity that my wife's involved in, um, for, uh, that had a, it was a Santoku with, um, some G Carta, rainbow G Carta on it, Mexican blanket. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, and then, um, got a couple of, uh, customer orders that I need to finish this month, um, for, you know, gifts or you know, timing wise, the customer needs them this month, but now I'm kind of, like I said, slowing down. And then in August, I'll pick it back up and then, uh, get ready for that Louisiana knife show. Um, I've already got got some stock, so I'm good, but were you ever able to execute any Texas justice on the, uh, fellows that blew up your son's library? Oh yeah. Well, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for those that didn't see, I'm not talking about a hanging, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my my son did a um, my son's seventeen and and he recently uh, at the end of this month he'll be doing his Eagle Scout border review. Um, All right. And so he he finished his project. He built two free little libraries for our neighborhood. Um, they've been super well received. Like one of them we've had to restock like three times. Um, but there was one near the um, park, kind of standalone. And on Fourth of July, um, some <coughs> three boys uh, around the age of twelve. Um, we're shooting at the plexiglass with an airsoft rifle and, um, then that didn't break it. So they decided to take the butt end of it and break it and then destroyed the hinges as well. Um, my dad happened to be right around the corner and didn't witness it, but saw the boy standing there. Another person witnessed it. So, and then later that night after my dad had taken off the door, we were vacation. We were at the Frio river, which isn't much of a river right now. Um, we, um, he had taken off the door and all the books and somebody set off fireworks inside of it. So, um, the parents came forward and identified their, their boys. Um, those boys have, um, are, have either apologized or in the process of apologizing. You know, they're writing letters, um, to my son, to the HOA, and they are going to be coming by next week to, um, to help with the repairs. Um, I told these boys, I said, look, I work, I work a lot with, um, with scouts, uh, both boys and girls, your age. I made some dumb decisions when I was a kid. I learned from them. 
Um, I told him, I said, if you take responsibility, show remorse and, you know, are um, sincere about it um, and then help, you know, make amends, then it's all good with me. Right. Um, that, that's great. Texas they're 12. Justice right there. That's yeah, wonderful. They're, they're, yeah. they're 12. Right. I mean, they shouldn't, you know, they made a bad decision. Right. They realize it was bad. They're being, you know, um, punished accordingly by their parents. It's not for me to punish. And they're going to help with the repairs. So good. in my book, hopefully that's a big life lesson for them. And they realize, right. you know, the, the, the consequences of their actions. You know what I'm thinking now that you've got the, um, you've got the security down, you know, you've got kind of a, everybody keeping an eye on it for you. Oh, oh Have yeah. you thought about increasing, increasing your knife sales, maybe putting a few knives in there with some prices on it, maybe some tomatoes from the garden for a buck a pound or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Although I saw something the other day that I thought was genius. And instead of a free little library, they called it a free neighborhood blockbuster mm-hmm. and people were just putting all their old DVDs in it, like kids DVDs. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, well, who still has a, not as many people have a player to play that, but you know, if you had a DVD, like that'd be great. You know, just go like, oh, I'm gonna go grab a couple of movies. So I've even thought about, hey, let's throw a couple of DVDs in there and see if they disappear. And, you know, see the if older folks neighborhoods have, watch them. have beta tapes. And the older I've neighborhoods got, have beta tapes. I, I I still have some beta tapes. VHS. I still have a VHS player too. too. I've got some old blue Blu-ray. Is it Blu-ray? The big uh, albums. Oh, laser yeah. disc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Laser disc. Yeah, that's what it is. Laser yeah. disc from yeah. like that was like from 1983-84. Yeah, you had to pause James the movie halfway through so you could flip it over. Yeah, I've got some James Bond <laughs> stuff. James Bond stuff. So, uh, what's up, Crawl Daddy? What's going on in Louisiana? It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much though. Uh, You've been yeah, putting out some pretty knives. That's yeah, pretty leather. Ma- making a few knives. Making in some leather, sheets. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Working uh, in this heat and trying to get my uh, vendors and supply chain down for uh, materials and parts. Uh, is this for knives or is this for your no, this uh, is, tow bot? Uh, yeah, tow bots. Uh, so I've just been focusing, working, doing on that and making knives whenever I can. How's the tow bot business going these days? Good, good. It's going real good. If I could, you know... It'd be even better if I could keep up, and you know, if my vendors could keep up. Yeah, is this uh, a company you own, by the way? I don't know if I've ever asked you. No, my father-in-law actually runs runs it, so I work for him. And uh, here in the shop, we do both. I make knives and make tow bots. Well, that, that's a good, that's a wonderful situation to be in, especially. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not like he's ever going to fire you. No, <laughs> I mean he probably I mean, wants he, to sometimes. Well, as long as you keep your wife happy, <laughs> he won't fire you. <coughs> That is the key. That is but, the key. But, you know, seeing, yeah, seeing you take off on anniversary trips and what a good family man you are with baseball and everything, I yeah. think he's probably pretty happy to work with you every day. You're just the annoying son-in-law, but he loves you. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you're just dirtying <laughs> up my shop with all this grinding dust and wood dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say, hey, if there was a better bonus program, I wouldn't have to be making these knives. <laughs> <laughs> I love there the you EDCs go. that yeah. you're making, though. Those, those little EDCs that you're doing. Uh, oh, yeah. I really, really have been digging those, man. Uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Rich, you got any new news to tell us? Any new news? Oh, I got some new news. Well, let's open the can with, uh, well, we got a new baby on the way. So, congrats, congrats man. Awesome. Thanks, congrats. thanks. Yeah, so yeah, I got, congratulations. I got a four year old, a two year old, and a new one, and might as well get it out of the way. And 
I think this will be the last one for me, so I'll be doing the thing that all the, the kids are doing these days, and yep. snip, snip. Um, <laughs> Turn the plumbing <laughs> off, man. They'll sneak up on you. It, yeah. So, so, so that's going to be done and over with. Other than yeah, that, I've been doing some upgrades in the shop and finding me a new message problems. And send me a message. Let's have a conversation before you do that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch? No, no, no. I had, I've, uh, l- uh, let me just uh, say that doctors make it seem like this is a routine, like you're just going in for like a filling or a teeth cleaning or something like that. Uh, it's it's not, and there can be complications. So I just want to make you aware of some things before you decide to go forward with that. Right. My, my <laughs> old man has had, a story. That I had? Yeah, there's some stories. And then well, the thing is, like, after I had that, then, like, half a dozen guys told me later, they're like, oh, yeah, I had complications. And I was like, where the hell were you before I went and did this? Right? <laughs> like, so I've made, it, I've made it a point to anybody that says they want to do that. I'm like, feel free. Reach out. I'll, you know. Share some things with you that we won't share on the podcast. Well, let me do the opposite then. I will put it on the record. He's going to send me his only fans. I will put it on the record that I will never do that. Well, I never did that, but if you do go for that in the future, Matthew, maybe we can do it on a Friday night at 630, and you can uh, you know, just kind of walk us through it. I feel feel nothing. I feel a little pressure. We can Uh, all have a contest to commission the knife that the doctor uses to do it with. <laughs> right. Where yeah, is this you can, yeah, you, yeah, we can, yeah, we can. We'll all have some. <laughs> you're giving him a lot of credit. A bolt. Oh cutter. man. I, don't, <laughs> I was thinking a pair. I was thinking a pair of snips that you use to cut uh, cut uh, line when you're doing leather. Nail uh, clippers. Uh, I yeah. got a good leather knife we could use. I mean, just yeah. Uh, you guys are rough. <laughs> no, so, so we're excited, but this this is going to be our last one. Um, well, congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And and other than that, I've been upgrading uh, my grinder, making it go horizontal, trying to do some stuff. And uh, I found a new problem with my grinder that uh, I'm putting a little too much pressure on the platen somehow, and it's causing it to shift. And it only has the one uh, central point of contact, so it's like a teeter-totter. So yeah. it's it's throwing, you know, and I'm I'm working off of, uh, you know, off for the rest, you know, and I have a jig, you know, I'm not freehanding, so I'm not really pressing too hard, you know, I'm just flowing, you know, I'm grooving in there, you know, and and the thing is like doing that on me, and I'm like chasing bells, and, and last night I got so frustrated with it, you know, after I took those pictures and stuff, and I just like had to shut it down and kind of walk away, and now I have to approach that problem and hopefully get back into the swing of things. Just JB um, weld it. <laughs> no, so, it's like huh. all you need to do is make one more point attached, of contact, just, right? Yeah, yeah I think okay, I got some. I might get like a a right point. angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, hopefully, I could uh, get that tackled this weekend because I would like to keep moving forward with the knives that have started. Um, but yeah, you, I'll probably end up posting some pictures of that as I progress through it in the workshop. If any of you guys are on the TRE workshop. See that's that fine but there. i would love to hear what you have to say after you've uh, jb welded it with the red weld yeah we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll find out we'll put a video up <laughs> my old man's my old man's like yeah put some loctite on there i'm like i don't know <laughs> i uh even better the green one yeah well i i'm uh i'm having this love affair um i've still got my two by 42 um 
I use it as a paperweight, Chris. Uh, actually, I, I still I, I won't get rid of it because I figure if somebody comes over and I want them to, they want to learn how to make a knife, I'll, I'll throw them at that, and uh, it's still there. But with this Ameribrade grinder, I know you guys that have made your grinders or, or even, you know, Matt, what you've done with yours, making it go uh, vertical to horizontal is very impressive. But that Ameribrade uh, that Joey talked me into with very little effort, I have I have just it's changed everything even my grinds being able to go down and hit plunge lines slow it down take hardened steel slow it down so i don't overheat it and run it through it's like um it's kind of like every sport you know you can go out and buy equipment to get into a sport and then you can go out and buy nice equipment uh and all of a sudden your game improves because either it's balanced or weighted or just whatever you know golf clubs is a good example you can buy a 119 dollar set of clubs or you can buy a six or a thousand dollar set of clubs and there's a big difference in that um all i can say is that those guys over to maribraid um and there's a few good companies out there but this one's mine um kevin and those guys have just put out a well-engineered product I and mean, you got guys that know measurements that know uh, uh, CNC and and just get giddy about everything they do. I'm looking at their daily posts they put online, and they're like, "Ooh, we're cutting out plates for our you know surface grinders. Look at it; it's exciting." And you see how much uh, excitement they have in theirs. It it definitely trickles down into their uh, into their product, their enthusiasm as well as their engineering. So I've been turning out some handsome knives, and I will also oh, it say, shows it shows yeah, well, for sure. Well, how are you and, liking and, it? Well. Let me just say this. Uh, I can look at, you know, I'm looking at you guys on the videos record, and I can sit and look at each one of you and go, I would aspire to be able to make something you're making um, because you guys must make gorgeous knives. But where my talent has grown in this period of time and then what it's jumped to with this piece of equipment, uh, you know, that's all, all the difference in the world. Um, and then the heat treating um, with that Majestic Forge, uh, you know, I might get an oven next year, but just be able to get the consistency and the heat treating and to be able to soak things. And I bought the thermometer like you guys had suggested. And this knife I just, that you see me making right now online, I do play by play as I'm making them. It's amazing just how consistent it was all the way through. And I, uh, Jason said, I know I used to use a coal forge and all of a sudden I'm making Product, my, my quality has just greatly improved. I almost feel guilty the people that got my earlier knives, but <laughs> hey, so sad, so bad, so bad, so sad, whatever it is. Uh, no, they're great guys. Um, but uh, I do have four four Vikings over in Norway that got my first four knives I ever made, and I promised them at Christmas time I'll be sending them four new ones. So I have you guys to thank for that in the last couple of weeks. So anyway, speaking of that. Uh, I think let's talk about uh, those guys over at uh, Ameribraid right now and let them know what they can do for you. Hey listeners, let's take a moment today to thank one of our sponsors for today's show. And that sponsor is Ameribraid Grinders. Eric and Kevin over at Ameribraid have sold thousands of these grinders. And they are super nice guys and their customer service is excellent. I would know, I've been personally using their 2x72 grinder now for two years. And it has changed my knife making to a whole new level. So if you're in the market for or looking to upgrade from that 1x30 or 2x42, then give Ameribraid a look. There you'll find they have three packages of grinders to offer. They have a mastery package, a foundations package, and a get grinding package, in which all of them come at different price points. So I'm sure you'll find something that'll suit your needs as a knife maker. 
Also, Ameribraid has a ton of innovative attachments for their grinders. So listeners, you can find out about all of this at www.ameribraid.com. Go give them a look, see what they have to offer today. And now, back to the show. All right, well, welcome back, guys. As we had talked uh, last episode, it was our first episode, and uh, with the Maker's Mark, and uh, we are fortunate enough to... Uh, appear to be really good at what we do so we can out go out and shanghai some uh some some great knife makers in here and uh this week we've got what is that i said earlier today pretty fry for a knife guy yeah yeah he's <laughs> pretty he's pretty he's pretty been called worse yeah. we've, <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got jason fry uh with us today and uh he has, uh, he's got quite a resume, as I've told you. He has, I think I recorded that at the beginning, but if I didn't, I'll just give you a quick summary. Um, you know, he was on Forged in Fire. Uh, he's uh, been a knife uh, maker for how long, years? Jason? Yeah, just a little while. And uh, he, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a member of the Guild, and he's also Blade Mist Society and, and Vice President of the Texas Knife Makers Guild. So he's got great credentials, and as we always say, this show is about uh, the maker that started yesterday that's wanting to get into it and bringing on guys that uh, have been into it for 14 years or longer and anywhere in between. Uh, we're excited to have everybody on here because we all learn from each other. So, Jason, welcome to our show today. Thanks, guys. Glad to be welcome, here. Jason. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, so I, uh, I make knives on the side on top of a day job. Uh, I work for in-state government with uh, disability services. I've also got four kids. Um, I wanted to jump in on that previous discussion. We, we were done having kids for a solid 11 years and then through a set of twins when we were 39. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. Matt, if you think you're done, man, be done. <laughs> right? <laughs> you right. better check that that one you're having ain't two. <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, anyhow. So, Surprise! Yeah, ta-da! So I, I do good knife advice. I don't do great uh, family planning. That's not my forte. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I've been, been making knives a long time. I... Uh, I got into it because I was skinning too many raccoons. So I used to uh, <laughs> I used to live in Texarkana down there by by Joey a little bit, and yeah. I was trapping, and uh, I needed more sharp knives. I started sharpening all the time, and you know you skin four, five, six coons a day. You need more knives. So I thought oh, I'll just make one. That'll be fun. And uh, and there it went. And then I, and I started off. started collecting tools and built a little shop and lost my job and moved away. And it's about five years later I finally came back around. And I made knife number two, and that's kind of when I say I started, because uh, then I, I had a little two by forty-two, like like Chris mentioned, and I made one hundred fifty knives on that. And then I finally built a grinder, um, and I just bought my first grinder like uh, last year. Uh, so what, I, I was, what are you gr- what are you grinding with? I'm running a Wilmot. Um, oh, okay. So I had so a I had a homemade <laughs> that I upgraded to variable speed. I mean, it was a good quality machine, uh, but then I finally bought bought one of chris's grinders uh, at blade show last year um so were you at blade show this year i was i was there i was 
Uh, you didn't run up and ask to speak to me or anything. I didn't know you yet. <laughs> I was the, I was the fat guy in the red shirt. You didn't I see was, him out of breath in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> you you were pretty you were pretty lucky because I was past giving everybody COVID without knowing. Oh it. great great! So, I'm glad okay. I missed you then. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately enough, the guys I hung around with and hugged on, uh, they uh, they didn't end up with COVID. I know. You guys never got sick, did you, Otis here, Did you? No, I had passed already. I know a couple oh, of Mastersmiths that got it after after that. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was it was going around. I bet it wasn't just you. Well, how was Blade yeah. Show for you this year? Blade Show was weird. <laughs> so I uh, I keep I keep uh, not passing the the JS test. So this was my uh, second time to not pass that. It was pretty dang aggravating, to be honest. Uh, I don't like losing and not passing things, <laughs> but within 30 minutes of that i won uh i won the guild uh award for best collaboration which mm -hmm. you talk about humility and intimidating i mean i know some of the people on that list it's like fry doesn't belong on that list man, <laughs> with you know buster and julie or or uh, orensky or with you know bob loveless and steve johnson and van and delana you know that win best collaboration and why am i even on that list right so that that <laughs> that fell within about 30 minutes of that that other failure so and then uh i sold i sold three customs and three of my new production knives so it's decent decent uh, dropped a new book uh also i saw my first copy thursday at blade show uh, is this the uh, knife making hacks no so i've got three I, the first one i did was uh a book called Next Level Knife Making, and I wanted to have written a book. Now, I chose that word carefully. I didn't want to write one. I wanted to have written one, right? Uh, and got so it. I worked, and I got uh, 17 guys to write me chapters, and then I wrote another five, and I, I did an anthology um, on what does it take to get to the next level from your perspective, right? So I had Jim Cooper talk about how to use professional photography to move up a notch. I had... Uh, you know, Laren wrote me two chapters about moving your heat treating up a notch before he wrote his book that's over all our heads. Um, <laughs> so, that, so that was yeah. the first one. Parlayed um, that one into the second one, which is the knife making hacks that you mentioned. I joke about that being kind of like the uh, the knife making toilet book. So it's like pretty pictures and like three sentence bursts, right? So, um, yeah. It's just tips and tricks. It's fun. Um, Every knife I make is full of hacks, and then I have to go back and fix. Yeah, them. it's like I am a <laughs> knife like making hack. <laughs> uh, but and then uh, after the hacks book, the the blade magazine folks asked me to write a, a buyer's guide. So, what's a knife? What's this shape called? What steel is that? Why is this one expensive? Why is that one cheap? Where do I get the good ones? I mean that that kind of consumer guide. And so uh, I wrote that for them, and uh, that's the one. Where that can they we find blade you? Show. Where can where can listeners find your books? Uh, Gundigest.com is, is their outlet. Uh, I have hacks and the buyer's guide on my website, frycustomknives.com. Uh, the next level book is exclusive on Amazon. So I think all three of them are on Amazon. But um, Are these in print or electronic? They're print. They're all print. Oh, wow. Exciting. Yep. Exciting. Yeah. Caribou so, Press, the Blade Magazine folks, uh, are carrying the last two. So. Gotcha. So what do you think, uh, what, do you know what held you up at, as far as your journeyman? Yeah, yeah, a few things. <laughs> did, did, I mean, did you agree with it or did you, uh, I guess that's a bad question to ask. Because it's, yeah, you know, I need to be a little more political than that. Uh, I could see the things that they pointed out. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult question to ask or answer. Yeah, I, should, I, I, I cannot commit. <laughs> I can see the things that they pointed out. Yeah, how, how many knives did you yeah. present for the uh, for your JS? Five. It's a five knife set. Five. You have to do five. You it have has to, do to be five. five. Yeah, like uh, all different sizes. Uh, and two of them have, have to be longer than six inch blades. Okay. Um, but other than that, they're mono steel. Yeah, they all have no Damascus, uh, so it has to be all single steel, all forged. Um, it's supposed mm -hmm. to be. They all have to have a guard or a bolster. Um, mm -hmm. I say there's some requirements design wise. Uh, and what are what what do they look for when when they when they're examining your your pieces? So mm -hmm. they're they're looking at the fit and finish mostly. Um, almost exclusively. Um, the mating of the materials, how everything. Well, yeah. it's tricky. It's tricky. No. So, what needs to fit and what needs to be where and what points are you checking for symmetry? And the answer is all of them, right? But all is not helpful as a as a uh, a measure. <laughs> you know, if you could say, "Well, look right. at the guard this way. Look here. Look here. Look here. Look here. Check that." You know. Um, so the standards yep. are, are not very objectively defined. I will say that. <laughs> uh, but I can also objectively see the things they pointed out. So, again, sorry, not trying to. Uh, yeah, I don't think that you are. I mean, because when you understand. when you go to when you go to something like that, uh, you're, you're presenting in your mind your, your best work at that time. And for somebody to see uh, some flaws and maybe you see those, you know, after the fact of this, that and the other. Um, regardless of the reason for it, uh, you know, we have to maintain our, our humbleness yeah. and, uh, and just be ready to well, come another, back and another give angle up. That I think is important. Um, <clears throat> Bert Foster, you know, Bert Mastersmith, uh, he played, mm -hmm. he played knife maker on TV as well. Uh, mm -hmm. did well. I think he won two episodes or something. He beat no, Jay Nielsen the, and the I, beat the judges or something. Yeah. He's yeah. the only one that beat, beat one of the guys in the, yeah, beat the judges. so high quality guy, yeah. um, he stopped by my table and, and he looked at my stuff and he, he said, you know, this is a nice knife. I really like it. I said, but you didn't make the knives we're looking for. And there's some truth to that. Now, I'm not saying they were perfect in anything, but uh, there were some stylistic differences that, uh, that mine had that were different. Uh, you can always argue whether different is right or different is wrong or different is neutral, right? But they were different. Mm -hmm. They were objectively different. And so... Uh, I would say that they met the criteria because the criteria are not very clear. Uh, they would say that they were all different, and so that was not good enough. Um, and we're both right. Well, <laughs> one of the hard parts for that, too, is you don't have the same people judging every single time. Right, and you're, you're in Wichita Falls. It's about, I'm, up, I'm up in Lubbock, yeah. which there's not a Mastersmith within, I mean, Dallas, Austin, you know. Uh, and so unless I can take a, a three-day trip, leave my family and my job and, and go hang out with somebody, I can't get direct feedback. Uh, all of us are experienced yeah. enough to know that you can make pictures look good real easy. That you can't you can't judge that level of detail uh, unless you're right there. And so part of the problem is being in isolation. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, I say, I, I pushed them a little hard. I said, look, if a skilled knife maker can apply himself and fix your feedback and still can't make it, then something's not right about the feedback because it's not a problem of skills <laughs> or effort. Uh, right. You know, I, well, I, and, I was yeah. a little bit burnt, you know, I was pretty, pretty, 
Correct. <laughs> well, and and Jason, you've been on you've been on the other side of this. Yeah, right? oh, I'm judged the, te- the Texas the Texas Knife Makers yeah, Guild, right? That's... I'm judged a gazillion. <laughs> so I'm on the right. I, I actually wrote the standards that we were using on the Texas side um, for judging our Lone Star Knife Maker, and now I'm on the technical committee for the the Knife Makers Guild also. So I, I know exactly, you know, yeah. how to do it. I, I know how to see. I think. Um, at least the parts I know to look for, um, and I know how to fix most of them, or at least <laughs> you know hide them well, um, make it look like you did that way on purpose or something. Uh, well, I'm sitting here scanning <laughs> through your knives right now, and you know, uh, I'd be tickled to be able to make any of these. Well, wonderful, beautiful knives. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, you know something interesting that, that that I noticed when I was at Blade Show is that when I presented uh, one of my knives to to somebody there that had some some knowledge or somebody who already were a js or a mm-hmm. master or something eric was with me mm-hmm. when i did it a couple of times and they would pick it up and they would look at it right and they would all look at it differently mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. uh they would oh you know when you look at your uh recastle from this angle you can see that is maybe a thousand off on the left side mm-hmm. right and then okay cool but everything else looks good and then when i went to a different uh person they didn't look at that part of the recastle mm-hmm. but they critique oh, okay uh see here your um yeah i went i went through that as uh, well what you call it the, uh, the the museum fit or heirloom fit or whatever that they call it different names right mm-hmm. oh, okay so it you did good on three sides but on this other side you have is a little bit off right when you rub your finger you can feel a, a discrepancy there but a minute right but they didn't pick up on oh, the, the discrepancy <laughs> yeah. of the recasso <laughs> or you know guy. something like yeah. this so i mean yeah i have one question though jason yeah. If Eric Rivers had taken photos of your knives, do you think he would have been able to go back to Texas and make them? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, you know, Eric's actually pretty there's, close to me. There, there's the, a, what, what is, yeah, what is what's there's a story behind that. Three hours? <laughs> Come on up. Yeah, about three hours. We'll, we'll do I, it. I know that Wichita Falls, I, I know that, so I went to school in Lubbock out of Tech. And mm-hmm. I grew up in Fort Worth and Wichita Falls. If you go the northern right, route, is yeah. the half mm-hmm. it, it's it's yep, close. Right. Like you know, you don't go through Wichita Falls, but you come close. So right. yep. yeah, it's a uh, Lubbock is a straight shot from here, man. Nothing but cows and grass. Yeah, straight like, shot trees. all the way. Like seven hills no and then you get the plains, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you go so up to Cap Rock. So Eric was taking pictures of some tables because he was going to feature their knives and uh, stuff on, well, I was uh, on his YouTube them. channel. Yeah, filming them, excuse me. And he heard more than one time, you can photograph it, but you won't be able to make it. So if, if Eric's ever got a camera at me or anybody, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying that. I'm not even going to ask you yeah, which guy said that. That ain't even cool, man. <laughs> it was The whole point behind it is on this video, I was doing the highlights of what I thought stood out to me. Mm-hmm. So these were all going to be people that were displayed on a video, and I, I – put all of their information all their contact info for their websites their picture all all the stuff on there all their credentials and uh to you know get these people some love and my blade show videos do decently well so you're gonna have at least 10 to 30,000 people watch these things and if I were you I would not just sit here going wouldn't you rather have the free uh like 
add Hello. You're, you're, I'm just putting this stuff out there for you and not charging you anything for it. Right. Eric's, <laughs> Eric's videos are so good that if they were any better, YouTube would kick him off as a pornographer. <laughs> nice point. Nice point. Nice point. <laughs> uh, Jason, I, I have, I have a, a two questions yes, sir. for you. Yes, sir. Uh, number one. Uh, what is your uh, preferred style of knife to make? And uh, number two, um, on your edge, do you go to, say, a minimum grind and then you do a secondary bevel? Or you prefer to kind of a convex it? Okay. And yeah. then have a micro edge in yeah, there? Yeah, so I, I came at knives from the hunting perspective. And so I. I've made a lot of uh, stainless stock and rival hunters. Uh, I spent the last four years or so doing ABS style stuff. Um, kind of my favorite thing to do is make uh, crazy historical ones. So uh, making Damascus out of uh, right now, the one I was working on last week, uh, was uh, some ball bearings from the USS Texas battleship uh, and some oh, cool. side plate. That I'm going to put in That's some cool. Damascus um, and try to do this crazy multi-piece pictorial impossible weldy thing. I don't know. I'm not that part yet. Um, <laughs> but that, that's what I like is, is the crazy historical ones. Uh, but I really end up making and selling more more hunters and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, you said you were um, pre-show we were talking and you said that uh, with Kevin Van Dam who fishes the BSS uh -huh, tour. Uh -huh. Um, you were looking at making some uh, blade out of some stuff that ends up in the bottom of his boat or so on. I mean, wh what are you, I, we know that hooks uh, um, will make knives if, if you melt them down, but uh, do you have to be particular on so what's here, coming out of the, the bottom of the boat? Here's the trick. Um, yes and no, right? So I used wrought uh, iron nails from 1830s mm -hmm. house in, in one. Um, but what I did was uh, I put that in some Damascus in a can, and then I made a bar out of that, and then I put mm -hmm. that bar into a stack, into a stack, into a stack. So it was a piece of a 300-layer bar. And then I put those 300-layer over the top of a 1,200-layer core because I wanted to hit 1836 for Texas Independence, right? Um, so, yeah, nice. so, you know, if you get fish hooks, right, uh, I'm not going to put fish hooks on the on the uh the edge of my blade <laughs> but it doesn't mean i can't make a knife out of them you know i'll clad them right. or i'll multi-bar it or I'll, I'll do something uh you know if you can put it in a can and make it stick into a bar you can put it on a knife uh, but if yeah. it's going to be out of my shop it's going to have a good you know, good edge material uh, see <laughs> so if you'd asked me to do that it would have been yeah <laughs> if you had asked me to provide you some materials it would have been like uh um uh, nip nip chi cracker packages and uh, Vienna sausage mm. cans and all. So, so. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Vienna sausage cans. Is that, isn't that what they make uh, Damascus out of in uh, one of those places? That ends with Stan, Pakistan. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Vienna sausage <laughs> cans. <laughs> That's where all those cans go. That's where all those cans so, go. So Jason, with the um, with the historical stuff, the battleship Texas, when that one actually uh, kind of piqued my interest yeah. so if you're interested i can send you a block i've got some of the st i've got stabilized teak from the flight deck of the um uss lexington oh cool it's down in um 
from Corpus. Yeah. So it's not pretty wood to look at. Right. You might need to I like have, I have some you know, wood from the Texas segmented or something. Piece of pine. <laughs> you know? Oh but, yeah, this is this is this is teak home. with not a not a lot of character, and I would highly highly recommend a very very good respirator when doing it because right. I have no idea what type of chemicals they used to treat that right. back in the day. That's kind of how this but, one is. Um, so, so I'm making this crazy Damascus knife, and I'm going to build a frame a Damascus frame handle, and I mean it's going to be. Uh, my magnum opus to this point right and it's gonna have like pine <laughs> pine wood so i'm building it to where the the handle is not the star of the show um you know it's all balanced a little yeah bit. i'll have to uh so my my son's he's he's going into his senior year but he's gonna mm-hmm. follow my wife and I's footsteps and go out to texas tech so i'll be spending some time in lubbock over the next you know four years yeah. and my daughter daughter wants to follow on so i may have to uh one of those trips i'll have to swing by and come visit your shop yeah come on man oh he's gonna become he's gonna become your baby yoda it's all good it's all good <laughs> he won't be the first one or the last one <laughs> knifey knifey hey any any anytime i can spend time in in somebody's shop i don't care if it's somebody that's you know been doing this for 20 years and is a master smith or somebody that's yeah you know, I'm, been I'm doing this way. for for a year. That's what I right? did. Today. I want to see their perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. they yeah. may be doing something different than I'm doing, and it's like, man, I can learn from that. Yeah. That, so, that's what, what I did today. Here? I drove a couple hours to go uh, hang out with a guy that I'd never met. He's another Fortune Fire guy, uh, Sean. And uh, and I say, just whenever I go someplace weird, I just kind of internet and see who's around. Yeah. See if I can go visit. Yeah. yeah. Where are you at in Michigan? I'm in Ann Arbor. My, uh, oh, okay. I've got yeah. got two kids. One just graduated. Uh, is fixing to join the Marines. And then one is 17 and is a gymnast. Excellent. And the 17 year old gymnast is uh, is up here for camp. And then I've got the five year old twins yeah. also. That that's chaos. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ann, Ann Arbor is a great town. Matter of fact, I was going to say if you're over near Detroit, you needed to find. I'd hook you up with a couple of my friends and take you out on Lake St. Clair, the smallmouth. Yeah. Area. Or headed, heading back out deeper. So that right is now, but you on talk my about... uh, list of things to try. So I called. I, I random cold called one of the fishing guide shops or whatever, and I was like, "Hey, what are y'all doing?" <laughs> you know, I said, "I want to go fishing like on some river in the bushes with the kid that works at the counter." You know, I don't, I, I don't want to do like <laughs> this big old guided trip. I don't have the time for it. I don't I sort of could make the money for it, but you know, I, I just want to go fish and catch smallmouth on these rivers, and. uh is that on this trip you're on yeah, right now or yeah. later? And so maybe Sunday, uh, I've got a, a soft appointment with one of the one of the kids from the fishing store. <laughs> that, that's good. I was going to say my uh, buddy Scott Dobson or Art Ferguson mm-hmm. uh, fish Lake St. Clair. Scott is actually, uh, I don't know if his title's Mr. Smallmouth or whatever, but when it comes to smallmouth yeah. fishing on the Great they're Lakes. Probably, uh, they're probably busy like he's doing working fishing. I want to just Oh, he has, a, he has a daytime. <laughs> he has a daytime. He, he, he works a daytime job. He's he's not a guide. And like there I said, he's some um, – Art's a guide. But we'll Scott's talk about somebody. that some more. Uh, <laughs> yes. If, you, if you're interested and it doesn't work out, okay. let me know because so I've got Scott's a little time Sunday evening I'm sure and be tickled. a little time Monday morning. Just be quick, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we, we're flying out I'll of Detroit, so i got to go back over there. Yeah, you want to go home with ripped up thumbs <laughs> on smallmouths? Yeah. Oh man, what a we, day! We have very <laughs> few of those in Texas, but we have a few. So Lake Ivy down there uh, has a few, and I've, I've caught I caught one, yeah. I caught a twenty inch smallmouth out of a lake in Texas, which is a pretty good oh, wow. deal. I mean, it's a, it a good fish. Um, 
I uh, about the only one I've ever caught. Only caught <laughs> I only caught spots in largemouth until I moved to Michigan, mm. and when I started catching smallmouth, I was <clears> like, you know, first I was like, uh, who, you know, okay, we'll go smallmouth fishing. Never caught right. it before, except little ones that you know caught in North Carolina up in the right, mountains. Right. And once I latched into a Michigan smallmouth, I didn't ever want another largemouth. Yeah. Now I'm back down south. It's all about the largemouth. Right. So, yeah, I was, I was flying changes. into Detroit looking at the map. I was like, oh, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River. Like, that's the smallmouth capital of the world. <laughs> Why am I right here and not oh, trying to gosh. go fishing? I got to do it. Uh, and I may not uh, make go out it. There and there's catch too a... many things to cram in. But, but uh, Well, let me know if I can help you. But I, I'd go out there and catch 100 fish a day during the spring. Oh, it was just beautiful. Every one of them was a pig and a football. Like fun. Oh, so, nice. That's how it is in the Sabine. Yeah, black yeah, bass, bass fishing. I mean, oh, yeah. it, you have tiger yeah. bass down there. Spots? Just... Spots? No, tiger bass. They've got them down in Florida and some here in Alabama. Oh, it's just like a real aggressive. Peacock? No, no, they've, no, they've bred. A... They've selectively bred some aggressive ones. Yeah, they're they're they're, uh, they're little uh, Godzillas. They're, they're fighters. I don't know the ones in the Sabine Refuge. Uh, the black bass. We call them black yeah, bass. Black bass. Sure, yeah. uh, they're a little short and fat. You know, they're they're yeah. real chunky. Not too long. You ever catch uh, an alligator? Oh, yeah. Tons. I decided I didn't want to catch one one time. Like, I had one chasing my buzz you bait. Didn't, and I was like, oh, you... I could catch this. And I was like, well, then what would I do with it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had it. I, I, you know, he was chasing my buzz bait. I, I know like, what you can do with him. No, this was just a little one, like a couple of foot long. It's like, be like uh, trying to catch a long nosed gar or something. <laughs> I caught a uh, seagull up in Michigan one time on a uh, crankbait. And it wasn't intentional. It was going through the air, and the seagull swept down towards it. And all of a sudden, I had a seagull on my line, so I had to get him free, and I reeled it in. And the seagull was fortunate because the hook went around its ankle right huh. above its foot. And and it wasn't <clears throat> in the skin at all. It's just he couldn't get off. But I will tell you, I was on the losing end of that because um, when his beak is not under control and he's only got his foot loosely hooked, he could beat the crap out of me. I mean, anyway, I finally got him off. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, caught a, I caught a bird in midair. Yeah, you sound like me with a sandhill crane. Yeah, that's a oh. mess too. <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. That that's a big a old mess. bird. <laughs> yeah, he's big. All right, well, let's take a moment and let's uh, give our friends over at Pop Supply a moment to hear about what they do for us. Pop's Knife Supply was started 40 years ago and is owned by four professional knife makers. Andy Roy of Fiddleback Forge. Alan Searles of W.A. Searles Knives, Joey Berry of J.B. Knifeworks, and Dirk Lutz of Dirk Lutz Knives make a great team of owners carrying on the traditions and business started by James Poplin. Over four decades in business is a testament to the best customer service with same-day shipping on weekdays. Pops only charges actual shipping and any shipping differences are refunded on your orders. Everything you need to make knives from grinding, steel, pinstock, heat treating, and more can be found at Pops. Visit them at popsknife.supplies. And now, back to the show. All right. Well, welcome back, uh, Jason. So you were uh, you're a forged in fire alumni yes, sir. as well. Yes, sir. I, uh, tell us a little about tell us a little about season five. How, how did you uh, how did you get get on the show, and what are your thoughts? Man, I, uh, I had a great time with it. Uh, so all all you do is you just apply. I mean, they they put out a casting call, and you say, "Hey, I want to be on the show," and so does everybody else. And so you have to send them a, a, an application, and then you do a, a phone interview and a video interview. And, um, I'll say it's it's just a they're hiring you for a job sort of you know 
Well, what is what would you say is the minimum technical uh, aptitude to be able to get on a show like that? As far as your blade, you better goes? you better be experienced in getting the the metal to do what you want in terms of shape, because they're going to give you something screwball mm-hmm. shape, goofy, you know. If all you've ever done is, is hammered straight bar stock, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> you better practice a little right. with uh, with junkyard steel, right? So if you can't pick up a bar of who knows what and figure out what it is and what to do with it, you know. Um, now, uh, and then forge welding uh, comes up in lots of the challenges. Um, so I had, I think the billet I welded on the show was about my seventh one. So it wasn't like I was super fluent. But I had done it enough to know, you know, enough to stick the one on the show. <laughs> anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, right. how long ago was uh, that season was, five? So it, we shot were... it in May of 2018. Um, so four years ago now. Okay, um, we were the first season okay. in the in the uh, Connecticut uh, location. Location. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear the same yeah. three clothes or the same three you sets wear the of same one set of clothes for three days yeah yeah they want the dirty one because if you got a spot on it on day one if that spot needs to be on your shirt on day two um yeah uh-huh. they they so how, how long does it actually take to shoot the uh, the episode when uh, you're there so because they say oh you have uh but uh two three so whatever two, yeah two, two hours, hours, hours so uh, for the blade both. right is it really two hours yes and no so yes the clock is real um, absolutely the clock is real uh, but all the you do a whole bunch of uh, offset work so stuff like we're doing now just mm-hmm. talking into a camera talking into a microphone uh, all the interview pieces I mean it takes hours that they don't tell you about you know that you never see uh, right, and sure. then uh, and you know every time there's a, a set change uh, so the the cutting tests right if they cut a row of apples for me, and then they cut a row of apples for Chris, and a row of apples for Joey, well, there's 30 minutes in between those apple sets, right? They, they clean up everything uh-huh. and reset it all. I mean, so um, the clock time is real and straight. I mean, it's, it's so, legit. But so, but all the rest so of when it the takes two hours long. clock starts. Yep. So when the yes. when the two hour clock starts, yes. it's rolling, right? That part is is by that okay, clock. So- the rest of it takes forever long. Okay. So we, we shot the first two rounds in three days, um, even though the six hours on the clock was real. You know, <laughs> it still took three okay. days to shoot all of it. Um, yeah. And then we did five days at the house, also at my house. When you were at the house, when you were at the house doing the, uh, your, your final uh, uh-huh. project for, you know, whatever blade you're doing in there, can you uh, work continuously, or you have like a set of time? Okay, Both. I have to work from eight Both. to five. So they give you that. a number of hours you can work during the day. So the first day, I think we got five, and then we got eight, eight, eight. You know, and so, but the eight hours starts when you start. So, you know, if I'm the kind of guy that wants to get up and start working at four o'clock in the morning, I'm not. But I could have, and I would get eight hours. <laughs> you know, uh, you get a one hour lunch break off the clock too. Um, so, so I started okay, by so 10 o'clock. basically like, like a yeah, regular work day. I started by 10 o'clock because I'm slow in the mornings and, because, and I got my eight hours. You know, watching the, sh- yeah, watching the show, I was always thinking, okay, maybe, you know, it took him, uh, this many hours to do this piece and is, uh, is damaged or broken or warped and he cannot use it. 
oh tomorrow yeah. start another one why not start just now i mean okay now you explain you have actually a, a time right so yeah you run out of time uh the other thing is when you if you if you decide to quit at six hours okay you're like i'm done for today and you say you're done they'll, they'll look at you is that your final answer you're really done and if you say you're done you're done you can't go back and they will put they will set set your knife your project somewhere in the shop and take a picture of it you can't touch it you know they'll come back in the morning and check it you cannot move it you know and so but then you still got to do a couple of hours yeah there's no <laughs> uh it will kill that was mine <laughs> uh, there's me oh yeah that's the yeah uh, i made it you I made a key long g the, uh, key key yeah yeah, we're watching yeah. <laughs> the video right now on uh, yeah. on YouTube. Oh, that yeah, that goes over real well on podcast. But see, yeah, I like the guy. The guy's got a beard. Your beard just maybe to be so. They, I actually the beard is a thing. So <clears throat> I uh, I had not had a beard much uh, over my life, and uh, I had one when I did the uh, the interviews, and so they paired me with Mike and Rob, and uh, who all have big beards. And with Ryan, who was like 21 and had like four hairs on his whole chin, you know, <laughs> he didn't have a beard. And so they, <laughs> they actually, I had shaved my beard because it was summertime. And they're like, no, you need to grow it back. <laughs> you know, so, so they actually played the bearded guy versus the little kid looking guy, um, that angle <laughs> when they were setting it up. Um, and honestly, I've had the beard almost ever since. I just kind of, well, so I have to grow it back. So I've kept it uh, for four years now. <laughs> It's a lot grayer now. So I've got a friend that I've got a friend that lives, you know, not too far from me. He lived in Spring, just moved to um, Magnolia, just right down the road, and he was on season six. So Philip, yeah, I know Phil. And um, yeah, he he told me that um, he he said it's not because he keeps trying to encourage me to to go on, and he actually has a clock in his shop now, um, and he put it in because he was coaching somebody that was going on this most recent season but he told me it's like it's not really a knife making show he goes it's it's a troubleshooting yeah. show yeah he's like he's like that's really what it is is he goes if you can adapt and you can think creatively and and troubleshoot and fix problems and overcome those challenges he goes that's really what it is he goes you got to get past round one and then mm-hmm. you know if you get past round one then then right. who knows? that was kind of right. my thought it's like if i can just beat the first guy i think i'll be okay <laughs> you know because that's where the curveballs come uh not that they don't totally try to break your knives into a gajillion pieces but but uh that will or it won't be <laughs> by that the point. funny part about that so the funny part about what you said right there is you know me being on youtube and having as many people who watch my videos and all that stuff you know i make most of the YouTube builds are like the, the, if you want to call it more mm-hmm. fancier stuff, I really wouldn't call it that, but like, you know, they've got more intricate things. They are, you know, it's all about the finishing mm-hmm. and the, the finishes that are on them and all that stuff. And I swear, mm-hmm. I always have at least two people per video that say, all right, are you going to baton this through some concrete and through Why some the steel plate and test the tip <laughs> no. on a steel plate? <laughs> hammer it through yeah. a drum no it's like guys that is, that television. is not real life you know you I don't take a shit trying trying to find exciting yeah, ways that, to break a, your yeah. stuff that is not what you do to an actual knife yeah. <laughs> batoning no. batoning is a bushcraft it's a bushcraft excuse for when you forgot necessary. your actual chopping tool 
exactly. Thank you. Right. Thank, you. Guys, Thank you. I still love you. And you're doing 100%. it. And you're doing it on the right type. And, and even if you are doing it, you're doing it on the right type of the wood. You're doing it with right. the grain. You're not doing it against the grain. Mm-hmm. Nobody's taking their chopper to a, you know, a green tree and just like, oh, let me just chop down this, you know, six inch wide oak uh, or something. You know, branch yeah. coming out right yeah. now. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Come on. Let's go see oh, if I can, man, you know, chop this but, down. But uh, you'll get a blister before you're done. It, hey, just to oh, make yeah. it okay on the on the Facebook forum, I did take one of my wakazashis and uh completely broke down a tree so all the limbs off of it yeah but that's like a short sword right it's made for swinging yeah yeah about yeah about (laughs) 20 that's different than taking a six inch uh, knife and trying to cut down a cinder block house with it or something (laughs) but the thing the thing is is that chris is a uh, backpacker too and i um have uh done quite a bit of backpacking in my life and when i went out on the trail i always took as small a knife as i needed whether i was going to be out overnight or for several days because you're just cutting a little bit of stuff and this is the uh, biggest knife that i take i've got a benchmade bug out it weighs 1.8 ounces and that's it that's all i take that's all i need and you don't not everyone in the group needs one right Right, i took all those boys backpacking through scouts out to philmont you know, now granted, a lot of them took knives because you know they they wanted to, but um, you need two knives for a group of eight. Yeah, that's probably about it. You know, that's it, right? It mainly just just for what happens if you lose one, and right. you're not you're yeah you're not bushcrafting. You're you're using it to open mountain house packages, right? right? Like you're using <laughs> exactly. it to cut yes. some paracord. That's yes. it. That's all clean you need your, for backpacking. Finger yeah, your fingernails. While you don't have yes. Because there's no internet out there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But, but, well, and you're too. And, and if you if you're if you're a real you know outdoorsman, you're too dang tired when you That's get to camp to even want to uh, use a knife. You just want to. I'm just add a little cold water to this mountain house go. and crunch it down. But uh, <laughs> but but I will tell you. Um, you know, when Armageddon comes and uh, everybody's, I'm going to wait for the bushcraft guys to build a shelter, and then I'm just going to take it from. Them. <laughs> 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 I'll see, take this right here. <laughs> it's kind of like all the people that are out buying the survival food right. for for uh, the Pentecost or Armageddon. It's like you guys are so crazy because all those other guys are just going to come. Yeah, we we got find out you got we'll it in your house. Your house. Well, yeah. Grocery, grocery, <laughs> well, <laughs> grocery right. store just opened. <laughs> So you look for the, the fattest. Too. <laughs> you look for the fattest guy on the block, but he's got food. <laughs> he's got food. Yeah, <laughs> food and teepee. Yes. Um, what I what I do tell people like that though that, that want me to do all the the stuff, you know, because they, they think that every knife that you make gets torture tested. Uh, like they, a lot of them don't understand you putting finish it. Like the and actual then you finish stop because then it's the finish. Yeah, the they get it pretty. <laughs> yes, yeah. and then the. Yes. They can do whatever they want. You know, whenever I first started, you know, yeah, I did a lot of that crap because I was trying to figure out my heat mm-hmm. processes and, uh, you right. know, making sure that I do it right. But once you get the recipe down, there's no need to to torture test every single knife. Uh, if it's, somebody it's, ever it's comes ridiculous. to me and says, if anybody ever comes to me and says, dude, I broke the tip on the knife, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, what were you doing with it? <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I've actually had, I haven't done, nobody's ever actually done it. Well, I'll take that back. I made my, my mom a kiradashi once, um, just out of a a leftover piece of file that was, uh, my grandfather's and my dad broke the tip off of it. And I'm like, dad, what were you doing? And I'm like, it's not a pry bar. 
right? It's as like go get the right get the right, right tool right. for the job. Um, but you don't know how many times I get friends that'll come bring me, you know, a Kershaw or a Spyderco or something, oh, yeah, and the tip the broke off, and they're like, "Hey, yeah. can you repair this?" Yeah, I'm like, but try not to use it as a. Um, I was like, the profile is going to look different, yeah, but because yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna repair I, it from the top, yeah. right? And you're gonna have this little like, <laughs> you know, it's not gonna be like a uh-huh. Warncliffe style. But I was like, don't don't use it as a pry bar. And all of them, every single time, I was like, oh, well, I didn't do it. I lo- I, I gave my uh-huh. knife to somebody else, uh-huh. to, and of they're course. the ones that did it. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, Jason, where do you source most of the materials that you use? Oh, all over the place. Uh, so supply-wise, I, I buy pretty much all my belts from Pops. Uh, I buy mm-hmm. a lot of my gadgets from Jantz. I buy a lot of my steel from mm-hmm. uh, Aldo and Texas Farrier. And Aldo's got a, a guy down distributing out of Texas also. Um I kind of buy my steel where it Texas comes, nice <laughs> you know, SB yeah. specialty out of Arlington when I need right. stainless. Um, so that's one answer to that question. The other answer to the question is a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, where do I get all this crazy historical crap? <laughs> that's, a, that's a cooler question. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I was going to so say the bearings. Stuff like that, man, you just ask um, everybody. So the bearings is a good example. Um, I was looking for some stuff off of Battleship Texas. And so you put out on Facebook, hey, I'm looking for Battleship Texas, and you never get anything, right? But sometimes you get a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. And you just chase those rabbits. Uh, The bearings was, I was just reading articles on the Battleship Texas Foundation, and it, it mentioned something about Jimmy John's bearing company donated the bearings to replace the bearings on the, the gun turrets. They're like, well, what'd they do with the extra ones? They said there were 1,600 of them. What'd they do with 1,600 bearings that were wore out off a of battleship? So I, I literally just emailed Jimmy John's uh, bearing service. I said, hey, what do y'all do with the extra ones? <laughs> and he sent me six of them, you know, and I'm making him a knife, you know. But oh, wow. Nice. How, were how big were the bearings? Enough. They were <laughs> only about an inch. And so I, I forged <laughs> okay. them out, and I'm going to stack them. Uh, they, they made about a one by three by quarter inch uh, piece of steel after, after I drew them, them out. out. Yeah. So I'm just going to stack them in Damascus. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they weren't quite big enough. I could make a small hunter out of one, but nah, I'm not going to take a piece of unobtainium and make a little $500 hunter out of it. I'm going to make something stupid, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it comes from just asking. <laughs> so like uh, you mentioned the, yeah. the fishing story. This morning, I, I just drove to the guy's store, like where his, the, the famous fisherman, uh, his brother, owns this store. And so I just went to the store. I started right. talking to the clerk. I was like, hey, I got this crazy idea. And they're like, well, you need to talk to this guy. The guy comes over. It's the famous guy's son. And, I, you know, I just walked in the store and asked him. <laughs> That's how you get the stuff. Now, that one has not, that deal has not closed, and I have avoided saying that guy's name. But, um, yeah, you just, you know, you're not looking for uh, – you know, my buddy always gives me crap about. Well, I, I got I got a piece off of the wagon that Sam Houston used to take JFK to the moon. You know, I mean, he's always come up. You know, no, 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 no. It doesn't have to be like Davy Crockett's teeth. You know, it needs, but it needs to be something real. So I got I got nails from the house where the Mexicans met after San Jacinto. Now, how many nails are in a burned down house? A bajillion. But these are nails from the place dug up by like archaeologists and stuff. You know, right. um, so you just need the right trash. Um, you know, I got the junk bearings That's cool. after the bearing shop replaced them with good ones. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I got some uh, some shrapnel from Okinawa one time by just cold emailing uh, an email address at the end of an 11-year-old article. There was some article about this guy that had a museum, and he passed his museum on to the next guy, uh, and it had the next guy's email address. But it was like from 2010 or <laughs> 11. And I just, I, I what the heck, nothing to lose, right? So I emailed him. He's like, yeah, I got buckets of it. Let me send you some. Um it's just it's just networking uh, and not being afraid to ask and taking lots and lots of no's (laughs) Uh, you know and you you also can't you know if I want if I want a a 400 grit J-Flex I know where to get that (laughs) Uh, but if I want you know uh, a piece of wood connected to uh, Wyatt Earp I don't know where to get that you know, uh, is there a house that he lived in that's made of wood that somebody's probably got a piece of for a bathroom remodel or something? Of course there is, but I don't know how to get to that. <laughs> right? Um, so you, uh, Terry probably Dunn does. probably does. Terry holds out on me some, but <laughs> no. My my point is, you can't you can't <laughs> yeah. pick and choose what you want. You have to just throw a broad net, catch what history stuff you can, and mm-hmm. then start to build based off of what you can get. Um, is there a be on the lookout at most historical museums? No, because I found I found out something goofy. Um, you know, from a knife making perspective, what I'm proposing is logical. It's like, no, 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 just give me your trash. It's cool. I'll make oh, yeah. something cool out of it, right? But from a museum perspective, that is like super against their code of ethics. They have like a, a museum nerd's ethics code, uh, and once something is in the museum, it cannot leave go out of the museum system without going through the world's longest documentation process. So even though they have mm-hmm. historical junk, you know, that's not worth displaying, if it's real and it's documented and it's made it through their process, it's really complicated to get it out of their process. Um, I say, I, I'm not a museum and guy. destroy it in their eyes and make a knife out of it. Well, and some of them even think so it's cool. National like, some Treasure. of them think it's cool. They get it. But it's just that, that you know, kind of like we make fun of people hammering through cinder blocks. I mean, that's just a thing. They just don't do in their, their field, um, in the American Museum Association or whatever it is. Their, their, their ethical code literally prohibits them from disposing of stuff like that. Um, and it's not because we're going to destroy it. It's because they're not allowed to give it away. Um, and I didn't know all that till I started chasing Orders. looking for stuff, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you had talked about um, some scales that weren't going to be the uh, major uh, aspect of uh, blade you're making, but I tell you what, uh, Chris and Joey and several of us have a great relationship with Sarah yeah. over at Sikowski Scales, and uh, let's hear a little bit about uh, what they have to offer. As knife makers, we all know the importance of quality handle material. Something that's both tough yet beautiful will increase the value of your knives and allow you to build something that your customers will love. When it comes to the handle material for my knives, I choose Swikowski Scales. Run by Sarah Halpain and her mentor Alex Swikowski, they have a combined 20 years experience making handles and knives. They offer stabilized burls, exotic hardwoods, vintage micartas, and some of the best segmented scales in the business. Find them on Instagram at Swikowski Scales or on their website, SwikowskiScales.com. That's S-W-I-E-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I Scales.com. All right. Well, welcome back. We uh, were just talking about uh, 
uh, getting people's trash and uh, making some interesting uh, pieces from it certainly has uh, <laughs> inspired me. Uh, and I'll tell you, reason being, and it's probably it's not on the scale of what you're doing, is when people go into the national forest down here in Alabama, uh, if they come across any scrap steel um, that may be the piece of an old uh, truck that rusted into the ground 70 years ago, uh, they'll bring you the leaf springs or yeah. something out of it. And 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 honestly, it's it's really fun repurposing that, even though the mm-hmm. story isn't as cool uh, as having a historical reference. But taking something like that that uh, was yeah. something else at some Sorry. time so long ago, uh, yeah, I can man. I can really relate to what and you're doing. We, that's that's really cool. What's the most what what would you say is the most interesting historical uh, reference you've got? You mentioned the couple, nails, a couple and the of pretty good ones. So I have a piece of wood. Actually, I got a little box of firewood sticks, uh, you know, of wood from a tree that Sam Houston slept under on the first night after they found out the Alamo was lost. Okay, so the the news came, hey, we lost the Alamo, and they're like, oh, crap, we got to get out of here. So they burned the town of Gonzales and took off, right? And there's this tree outside of Gonzales where they all stopped to camp that night. And uh, same thing. I just asked on a bow hunting for him. Hey, is anybody from Gonzales? <laughs> you know? And I uh, ended up getting the guy's cell phone number that his parents on the ranch. And he sent me a box of firewood from underneath the tree that Sam Houston slept under. Uh, There's a historical marker. So and, cool. You know. Um, so that one was fun. Another good one I got was. Now, will you stabilize this? Will you stabilize that, one I, that if you I ever didn't. use it? Or? It's just live oak. And it's just it's just seasoned dried live oak. I mean, it's hmm. not much harder in the world anyway. Um you know, uh, right? And it was honestly small. Like it, I, it was it was a pretty small piece of wood. It wasn't like I got big chunks. Um, another good one, I got a a grape shot. You know, so like a a cannon shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one inch one inch balls yeah. in a canister, shot out of a cannon. Um, I got a grape shot from the Mexican camp uh, after San Jacinto. Um, they were shooting bronze shot. They could tell us Mexicans because the Mexicans had bronze bronze and copper shot and the, the uh, Texans were shooting lead uh, because the uh, silver mines in Mexico were producing copper and stuff as a byproduct so they were making their shot out of their silver mine leftovers um, hmm. yeah. uh, Eric and Otis here we ran across some guy at the show he had the great sense of humor and yeah. but he had several pieces that had kind of a historical reference to him you remember Anything specific oh, yeah. he was da- making? Dad jokes are <laughs> us. Um, he uh, he had all the dad jokes, but uh, his stuff, you know, he had the the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, the Shawshank the, tree. The Shawshank uh, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guy that was there that had the the little shadow boxes that he would make a, a knife with mm. certain pieces of that. I think or, I saw that guy. Uh, I didn't talk to him. He had little. Have like a little window in the yeah. handle that oh, may have okay. a piece of the okay. tree or something. So like let's yeah. talk about that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. There cool was a guy. There was a guy that was selling uh, blocks of, of oak from a tree that George Washington planted. Okay, and it had it had a COA with it. I mean, it was kind of verified. Did George probably plant the tree? Not exactly, but it was his people while he was living there under his. You know, it was it was a. Yeah, it was a legit, you know, documented tree. Um, and uh, I bought a block or two, and I pinged Jerry Fisk, uh, who does a lot of <clears> historical <throat> stuff at a level, like, way beyond me. Um, I was like, hey, man, I got some wood from George Washington. It's like, hey, give me some. 
some, I went and bought some more for Jerry, you know, uh, <laughs> and sent it to Jerry. And Jerry sent me a check later. But, uh, you know, one thing we, we talk about, uh, how much, uh, how much has to be in something before it's in there, right? Like how much World Trade Center steel would have to be in a bar of Damascus for it to be made out of World Trade Center steel Damascus? Some. Some. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I want it to be as much as I can get, right? But but the truth is some. And so like if you have splinters of the Shawshank tree and you put it in that handle, that's a handle made with wood from the Shawshank tree. Right, uh, and so exactly. part of the trick is is uh, balancing, using all the cool stuff to make it just friggin' cool, right? But also not using it all up, right? Yeah. Um, so some guys try to stretch right. it. I, I like to hunt. Yep. Uh, finding the stuff is half the fun, and so I don't like to reuse stuff over and over again. Like I've got four or five more sticks of Sam Houston. I'm not going to do anything with it probably for a little while, you know, because I've already made a big. Texas Revolution knife. Until I get some more metal stuff to do another big one, I'm not going to use that. Um, so that's just my style. Uh, but there are some guys that legitimately will just put a little uh-huh. bitty piece of something in there, and they'll say it's in there, and it is, and they're telling the truth. Um, right. If I can get you a Forrest Gump's braces that came apart, <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> steal from that. I would like. I would like. I would like that a lot. <laughs> it would make a nice <laughs> knife. What, one of the thing, things, uh, one of the things that I like to do. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> it's your turn now. Oh, me, okay. So uh, a, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I use, I. Uh, I Mama I was says, gifted. "Stupid is a stupid." <laughs> the uh, you know, whenever you start looking for for old school stuff like that. It's you, okay, Mama. Mama is with the principal take... right now in the house. I'm just out here. Doing... Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm you. You. Uh... <laughs> but okay. compose yourself, man. Compose yourself. All right. You're gonna have to edit this. The. Uh... Using <laughs> the. The funny part about whenever you're trying to acquire some of that stuff, you, you find a lot of people who want to give you things that you don't need, um, and you'll you'll get like because I, I get I made one heirloom knife with a file that was you know 50 years old, mm-hmm. and now everybody and their mom wants to send me files yeah. to to make yep. knives out of and all that stuff. They're they're really cool and they're super old and all that, but I don't need them. Um, but every once in a while when you're reaching out and you're trying to acquire certain things so for me <laughs> one of my favorite stills that i use is uh leaf springs from willie's jeep yes uh i got two sets of leaf springs from a willie's jeep uh and uh i've made swords with them i've made you know edcs i made all kinds of stuff with them i love that because you know that era of jeeps Iconic. is yeah. uh-huh. there's a lot of people right. nowadays that weren't even born yeah. in 65 uh-huh. you know <laughs> and then, so these things uh having them and they, they they're amazing and uh so i try and track those down but in the process of tracking those down you got everybody wanting mm-hmm. to get leaf springs mm-hmm. like, i don't have that but i do have seven shelves 
a leaf spring. I usually am like, them. man, that's awesome, but I have seven <laughs> shells of them, too, so I'm going to pass. <laughs> and I, I don't. I have enough. <laughs> I have a set of old uh, International yeah. Scout leaf springs that I use for that one-off kind of stuff and some 58 Ford. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't yeah. – I, man, I, I'm like a – I don't know. I'm a I'm a picky I contractor. I only take what I want. Leaf springs outside <laughs> yep. right yep. now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was born in 1964. Now you I remember go. 1965. So talk, talking about trees, there's a there's a tree here in in uh, in Opelousas, yeah. a town here in Louisiana. They call it the Jim okay. Bowie Live Oak. I need a piece of that. Go and, cut me off uh, some. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have some. I I have some. Uh, yeah, I'd love, I'll, I'd love I'll to have it. I'll send you a piece of a, uh, one of these hurricanes. I'll trade you some I can't remember which one it was. I'm serious. I've got some. Okay. So, now there's a there's a tree in a park yeah, like yeah. that down at in Houston where they they came to this tree and were trying to decide which direction to go or something. So it's got a little historical marker and it's just in a city park. I sent my cousin down there. I was like, hey. I'll, You'll give uh, me a stick off that tree. <laughs> hey, we can get on try. I'll, I'll get yeah, you some uh, bobcat gold <laughs> weight uh, pecan. That's interesting. All right, all right. Yeah, this. I think uh, this this tree is two hundred and eight years old. Wow. Live oak. It's across. Mm. It's next to a real uh, famous uh, okay. restaurant, the Palace Cafe, which is across, which is across from the Delta Grand, which is across from the courthouse. So, but. Uh, and this thing is massive. I mean, it's probably right. 10, 12 feet in diameter. Right. That's a huge tree. Yeah. And just roots. Yeah, mm -hmm. the roots are like three or four foot all yeah. you know, coming out of the ground. This, this thing's huge. But the hurricane oh, okay. had, yeah. had kind of split uh -huh. it on the, on the backside and the branches fell off. And I got a friend that works right. with the city. That's how that, it works. You know, when they were cleaning up. He That's exactly up how it works. Because it's literally yep. just trash. It's like, I was going to take this to the landfill, chunks. but you can have some. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, got, I got a nice slab out of it. I'm, I made a, uh, I made a um, oh, cool. cutting board yeah, out, of, nice. of, out of a piece of it and sealed it and stuff. But I have some left. Uh, I think I might. Yeah, I'll, I'll swap you a piece of that. That Sam Houston, if you want. We'll cover that next yeah, week, yeah. later, some other time. Yep. <laughs> hey, let's take an opportunity here. To, uh, we gave Eric such a hard time, or I guess I got that ball rolling. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Rivers experience. Be right back. Hey, guys, what was your source of inspiration when you first decided to make knives? You know, many go to the books, and also some go to the web. Uh, but many also head to YouTube for videos. Well, you know, we are fortunate enough to have Eric Rivers from the Rivers Experience as a co-host on the Knives Templars. But you know what? He's also a sponsor. And I tell you, 27,000 followers can't be wrong in following his skilled and educational regular videos that teach the fine arts of making beautiful knives. I know because I'm a subscriber to his channel and I learned at my pace and without making those mistakes by walking in the dark regarding knife making. Be sure and check out his channel, The Rivers Experience, on YouTube or his website at theriversexperience.com. And now back to our show. All right, we are back. No. I was running. <laughs> <laughs> to get back, to get Eric back. No. All right, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. I tell you what, this uh, this whole uh, this whole podcast, I tell you what, we have grown together as such a family. I, uh, 
I don't know what we would do if uh, all six of us came together in one location, other than I would get lost and y'all would have to come find me. Um, but uh, I've, been <laughs> Done that, I've been known to do that. Um, but, uh, hey. This has hey, happened. This just, has happened. Uh, just put me in a memory <laughs> unit, I guess. Yes, put me in a memory unit. But um, but anyway, uh, Eric, uh, just, just uh, giving you a... Uh, a little positivity here. Uh, thank you for what you do. We do appreciate the Rivers experience, and uh, you pe- keep putting those great videos out because uh, Shop Talk Tuesday and the different builds you've done, and whether it's a YouTube challenge or even showing us your new shop going online, um, you bring a lot to the knife making community and uh, showing new guys and established guys uh, just just what we're all capable of. So kudos to you, and thank you for being part of the show. So we were back. We were talking about getting some very special wood, and I don't okay. really have any bobcat gold. Yeah, yeah. you never Think know, man. Wood. Um, <laughs> you never know. But I know that if I find something that's really cool in the way of metal or wood, uh, I know that Jason Fry is a guy I need to call and say, "Hey." And if I can't use it, sometimes I know wood, people you know. that can. I mean, that, so, that stuff becomes yeah. about a network. Yeah. I mean, a few guys out there too. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Joey. Yeah. Uh, you said this particular tree is it is it still living or is it? Uh... It is. It oh, is. okay. Yep, it is. Uh, it's and there's quite a few trees, but this tree, uh, the history behind it, I, you can look it up. Uh, they Jim Bowie and uh, maybe Davy Crockett uh, had camped around where the present day of the tree is, and uh, and set up in up under the tree. Um, there's like a, it's a historical mm-hmm. landmark. There's a plaque and, you know, you can read the little oh. backstory to it and stuff. But, uh, there's actually a grove of live oaks in that area, like all across, uh, there's a <laughs> bunch of big live oaks in that little area, uh, in the court or in the back of the courthouse. Uh, so, you know, it's probably, uh, an old, uh, you know, an area where, they may have had a, a historical home or something at one point or another, um, but it's, uh, I was lucky enough to get a couple of pieces of uh, when that hurricane came. The storm damage, it had, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So I've been saving it. Yeah, up. that's it's, the kind of stuff. You like? Can you make me like a three-piece stock stock removal hunter with no? <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> can't have that. With. I'm using that on something crazy. <laughs> yeah, when the crazy yeah. Alabama fan several years ago went and uh, killed the uh, trees okay. down at uh, Auburn University, SEC guys here would know about that. Yeah. Um, he went and poisoned the trees, and of course yeah, they yeah. made quite a bit of money back on them because uh, they sat and wow. splintered, splintered yeah, those yeah. trees up to uh, sell pieces of them. And now they've got new ones going. And I'm an Alabama hey. fan, but that was just too crazy. <laughs> so I, I will hit on one thing, though. Uh, when it comes to the stuff that we've been talking about right here, you know, uh, for a lot of new knife makers, you know, definitely not being afraid to, to reach out and try and find new things and all that stuff. A, a lot of people think that you, you, you have to buy. Let me argue that. That's a fun, that's a fun little ragged trip. Or, uh, so we spent a lot of time talking about making knives out of all yeah. weird stuff. And, uh, in some of my books, I, I actually advise okay. against that, um, because if you're trying to make a knife that you know yep. is going to cut, and you don't have all the skills or all the experience, man, make it out of freaking 1084 and follow the recipe and use whatever you can uh, to make a good knife. Yep. 
Um, and as you get further along, you know, if you get a whole stack of Willie's Springs, you, you've got some uniformity there, and it becomes more known and more known and more known, and it's not just unknown steel, right? But when I, when yeah. I take a piece of random junk, I take a risk, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and if I'm not 100% satisfied yeah. that that will perform yeah. how I want, I'm not putting it on the edge of my knife now. I'll clad it in some Damascus, or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll still use it somehow. Um, but I actually am much more in favor of uh, of known See, stuff. I preach that a lot. Um, even though, like I say, even though I yeah. enjoy the exceptions too. Yes, known good. Uh, <laughs> but that that is where I'm where I'm going with with that. It's not so much the steel as it is the handle material and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, I always pre- preach that if you're a new knife maker, you should never really use uh, just the steel that you get from somebody's bucket at a you know a no, garage no. sale. Uh, you should definitely use it from a store, but but you don't have to buy you know fifty dollar handle scale material. You better uh, not. You're uh, wasting it. Or you know, especially if you've never really profiled handles. Yeah, you're not exactly. going to get your money back. So out don't of be afraid to. If you to put a fifty dollar set of handles on a knife, it's going to sell for fifty dollars. Yeah. Go, go to Home Depot and yeah, get some uh, red oak or something. You know, get, <laughs> yeah. Just get the uh, get some maple, or just get yeah. the get flooring samples. Yeah. Right when you know it's solid wood <clears throat> floors. Right when you're first starting, like run some that's, free that's stuff. Pretty much while, free yeah. material, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yep. yeah. My my first knife was people, actually Lowe's red oak. Yep. Well, yeah, people who run really cabinet one. stores and build custom cabinets, like yeah. that's what I did yep. for a while. A lot of my stuff was yep. You know the, all the they, they have all their and they cut off the parts we like. Yeah. I mean they and, uh, but that's they like the pretty straight grain stuff. I want the gnarly gross stuff that they'll throw away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. Correct. Yeah, all my Eric's really using wheelbarrow yeah. handles. Yeah, all my I first use, knives um, up here. The, yep. Yep. Yeah. That the handles that I went into a Rockler woodworking store one day, and you know they've got all the really nice you know high end stuff, and they'll sell handle scales too. You know, for for knives, and you can get cocoa ball and stuff like that. But there was one of those big watermelon crates, right? Yeah. Like when you go to the grocery store and they shipped in all the watermelons, and it was just filled with cutoff pieces of purple heart and you know zebra wood and like all this random stuff. And the guy said that he works with a furniture maker that that's all of his cutoffs, and he just tells the guy like, "Hey, collect all that." And so I was buying handle material that ended up costing me yeah. fifty yeah. cents a kni- for every knife. You know, I mean, I was buying like. Two yeah, foot long boards for three dollars. Yeah, that's that's right. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it works when you're just getting started. That that works. Don't go wasting. Don't don't get yeah. some double, triple yeah. dyed Terry right. Dunn. Don't you know? Don't buy stabilized handle material. <laughs> yeah. Don't go. Don't. Yeah. That's right. Don't don't buy eighty dollars segmented scales to, when you're first starting. Now we all aspire to be better than we See, are. And too, that's though, all. Right? That's Paduke, uh, yeah. stuff. So we all aspire to be better than we are. Though. Oh yeah. So you got to sometimes take a risk, but it needs to be calculated. You need to get to the point where can I do this without screwing it up, or can I do this? Can I fix it when I screw it up? Right. Uh, and yep. yeah, will I get will I get my investment out of this close you know you don't always you don't always especially when you're first starting yep. like first knife i ever had engraved you know that's a pretty good chunk i didn't make any money on that because it was the first one but i had to get the knives good enough yeah. to yeah, even take the risk um anyway <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you said I, something I, in there. I, that... I did that too. Um, some of the uh, some of my first um, uh, hidden things that I ever made. Uh, one, I went out to the woods in the state park and, and I cut off a branch from an oak, and and I made a, a handle out of that. I still have the little knife over here. It's a little uh, tanto uh, puco mix up between the two, and. Um, you know, and then when I started getting into a, a prettier wood, stabilized. And Sorry, I, I was just going to say that's Joey around. Yes. A Jenga with himself. So go, go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, I got the uh, the cheapest stabilized wood that I could find. It was some um, mm-hmm. spalted uh, tamarind. You know, I made a, a tree uh, tree handles from that one. The only problem with the cheaper <laughs> stabilized one is that it is not really yeah, good stabilizing. Right. You know, you have some yeah. good parts and then you have some punky parts, and then you know it's very uneven. So you know th- that is that too, right? So if you're going to start, like you said, some some cutoffs, uh, some uh, some flooring, or maybe just go out into the uh, to the woods and cut off mm-hmm. a piece of a, a oak branch or something, and, and, yeah. and while try you're chasing that like jaguar that. naked. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't for, don't don't forget to that, bring this spear or a tomahawk. Right you know, you yeah, never I used know. that wheelbarrow handle for. Yeah. yeah so you know it, it's uh, it, it's fun, man. Knife yeah. knife making is fun. That's Absolutely. that's the best thing for me. It's fun. You know, I get lost doing. You know it, what yeah. makes knife making fun? Majestic Forge is owned and operated by Brian and Kayla Horn in Rushville, Ohio. With many years of experience manufacturing two to five burner gas forges, Majestic Forge is your number one source for blacksmith forges, barrier forges, and specialty forges. They are dedicated to creating top of the line forges at a price you can afford. Majestic Forge has supplied forges to blacksmith schools, high schools, colleges, production shops, and TV shows such as Mythbusters. And Majestic Forge is the forge of choice for televisions forged in fire. Knife makers are in luck as they offer forges that come with two or three deluxe burners. Here at Knives Templars, we are sure that you can find a USA-made Majestic Forge to suit your needs. Check out your next forge at MajesticForge.com. Our guys over at Majestic Forge, they uh, changed my life when I got mine. And uh, uh, some of you guys have ovens, some of you have forges, and some of you have both. But uh, right now, I'm just a forge guy, and I love my Majestic Forge. Anyway, Otis here, um, you uh, uh, are running through the woods naked. Uh, something about collecting wood when we were last on. Yeah, you were, you know, now you're making that up, right? It <laughs> runs through the woods, <laughs> runs through the woods I've naked. Running through the woods, yeah, but chasing jaguars is, is, is a bit. And <laughs> chopping down tree limbs with a with a little four inch, uh, you, you know, go. bird and trout knife. Right? Well, we, like, there you go. But just so you know, Jason, it, right? this all came because he told us in Laurel, uh, Maryland, he uh, only forges by the moon. Uh, in the go. nude with pinto sauce. Well, that's and, that's uh, how he gets that's how he gets his knives extra hard. Is he? You know. So we didn't make that up. And he that, howls when he quenches. Yes. Do you know what the Do you know what the pinto uh, sauce I'm is, Jason? To guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that trade secret? You, 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 episode, you 
episode 100 I'll tell you what it is you gotta be in the club and yeah it's just just some good forging potion that that Otis here uses so anyway so guys we're uh go ahead I I haven't used the pinto sauce yet but uh I've I've been using your little uh uh, ball peen method with uh straightening you know that whenever I did the uh whenever I did those copper liners where they're exposed and I had to to form it around where the the because um, I had a taper tang on that that kukri and it transitioned into the ricasso a little bit and I used your little uh, uh, your little ball peen to to stretch it right to go. make it match perfectly and yeah that's a good little method. How do you go? That's you a like good. It, right? it went great. That's a great transition as well. What are we all working on these days? Uh, Otisir, uh or, or Eric, we'll start off. I mean, uh, you're working on uh, a knife with somebody. You're both making a similar blade. What do you got going on? So, yeah, I've got my little uh, collab with, with Matt in here. The, uh, he, he sent me, uh, sent me a, 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 a knife profile out of Pops 8670. Uh, what was that, like a Beefy. couple of months ago now? Yeah. And uh, I, I, of course, trimmed it down, modified it a little bit, um, and of course, it looks like that guy now. Y'all, you know, the viewers can't really see it, but all these guys can. But uh, we've uh, we've been doing that, and then I've been working on uh, a, a few customer builds that are just off the channel, and then I've got one that I'm filming, which. Of course, we talked about it just a minute ago, but uh, an heirloom knife out of a person's grandfather's file. I am making one of those right now, and I'll I'll have a video coming out for it. And uh, that one was that's a pretty cool one. But yeah, I've just got a few different builds. I, I cannot wait to get this shop done. I've got so many forging projects that I want to get underway. I have got probably twenty. 24 feet ish of uh, ADCRV2, uh, 8670, and 1084 and 15 and 20 right now. And I have got so many knives that I want to make. And I'll tell you, forging with your forge uh, in open air is absolutely. Uh, a pain in the ass whenever you're using venturi burners and where air is blowing <laughs> and it's already 105 that. degrees in texas but, uh, wind in texas uh, wind yeah mm. yes so it, it's been a so little, I, I, I can't I, wait I, to have everything covered again i do want to add though when you uh took the collaboration build you took the knife and i enjoyed watching i think it was a shop talk tuesday you, you distinctly yeah. made it your style and it's really neat how people's styles will s- stick out and the handle and the grind and everything when and the r uh choil that you put in there i think you called it an r choil or something like that um it yeah. just it just distinctly became one of uh, eric's knives yeah you're showing it to us now mm-hmm. it's beautiful yeah mm-hmm. so really cool really cool yeah, I, got, I gotta come up with the piece of choil <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah my last what name is that? r too what, what so one of the one of my friends that is on a you, you can see his stuff on instagram his name's blake partheny um, he uh, he's the one that actually he did a P for his last name for the the choil, and I was like, that's absolutely awesome. I'm gonna do an R, and I've been doing it ever since. And of course, I told him I was like, 
dude, that little thing is is cool that you did right there. And I said, I'm, I'm going to steal that idea, and I'm going to do it as an R. And he was like, hell yeah, do it. And uh, I've been doing it ever yeah. since. With On, on the knives, That's it makes cool. sense to have it on there. Now, did yeah. you drill that in there and then file it out, or did the grind open it up or, after you drilled it? So, or what? Uh, drill it, and then uh, and then I end up cutting it open. But I'll I'll drill it, and then I'll go ahead and grind my plunge because you have to grind the plunge just inside the hole a little bit, so that as you get mm-hmm. done doing your finish work, it brings the plunge back to the end of that hole, and uh, it just makes a cool little cool little. Are and I, yeah, and I'll do that on some of my uh, my knives that have guards, and I'll let the guard be the backside of that, and then the the bottom of the ricasso, and then where it comes down to the hilt, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, or the heel, uh, I'll have it uh, uh, be the bottom of the R. But yeah, it's. I will, I will tell fun. people that that follow your channel, the Rivers Experience on YouTube, um, go out there and look at your recent one because your leather work. Uh, it's hard to believe that you've only made. Uh, a few uh, leather sheaths. Uh, your leather work is just beautiful, especially on the last one you did. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the, Kukri, the, the, the final build on that Kukri was was really, yeah. really nice. It was, it was really beautiful. What are, you beating, been thinking what are you beating about and grinding out up there, Odysseer? Uh, I have two knives planned out. I have uh, still have a, a big piece of that Alabama. I'm going to make me that Alabama Damascus, the, the knives that I'm coming out of it is, is for me. I'm not selling those. I'm, I'm keeping it. Um, so I'm making it a, a, a long barbecue-style knife, really pointy, a Brazilian-style barbecue knife. Okay, if you look it up, there's a very distinct look to it. Very uh, similar to what you uh, call it a fillet knife, but a, a bit longer, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm waiting on some of uh, some wood from our uh, friend uh, Oleg. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, I have a commission uh, knife that I'm I'm waiting on, on that wood so I can start working on that. So I, I have to have. I have to interrupt you because I almost want to put those uh, blocks that he sends in a um, in something to display them. They're just beautiful in themselves when they come to yeah, you. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say something, man. You know, it's gonna sound weird, but uh, that man got some beautiful wood. Dude, I was cutting through one of the. Yeah, yeah that, that sounded kind of weird, Otis. <laughs> I was. No, nah, uh, but you know, seriously, you know, I right, just. And, uh, and uh, last Sunday, last Sunday, I, I was uh, talking to Chip a little bit, and as we were talking, I was scrolling to his website, and, uh, you know, I chose like uh, five blocks, and, you know, I'm waiting for it any. Any day now. I'm waiting like like, yeah. like Christmas Day, right? How long, I, a, piece I, of, I, how long so a piece of wood are you out. handling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, did you get the five inches or? Uh, the, the, I, I like the five <laughs> inches one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just an average size. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like, I like that at the five inches yeah, one. He, he, oh. I think Joey was about to tell us how hard that wood is. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Joey. Right? <laughs> So you were talking that about you were cutting through it, right? Yeah, see, I mean, that's that wood, what I thought. That wood is hard. Is that you holding a piece of it in your hand right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks it looks fun. So, so uh, we're going to have Keith Schwetty on the next episode, and uh, he's going to be <laughs> – he's going to introduce us to his sweaty balls <laughs> for so, Christmas just this year. Just about dicks at the mall, yeah. The, uh, the fun thing about Ole, he's, he's actually uh, – he's one of my channel sponsors. So uh, I get like – 
I get boxes. Don't you start bragging. All mm-hmm. those and uh, don't brag about all the wood uh, it, that you awesome. get. It's awesome. I know, man. Hey, hey. You need to share that wood. Yeah, I love it, dude. Uh, like, I'll go through his uh, website, dude. It, it's just, it's awesome because you know we we've all had stabilized blocks from all kinds of different people. Whenever you get them and you don't have to use CA glue, you don't have to fill voids, you don't have to do any of that crap. That's that's when it's nice. Absolutely love them. Sounds like nice wood. They look like candy, dude. It's good. It's <laughs> but you can't like eat it. And don't eat it. Ranchers, you know, like mm, mm. yummy. It really is nice. Like I said, you almost feel like you should put it underneath a globe or something, just because. Yeah. Uh, in itself, it's just beautiful, and the way they come wrapped and everything, something else. Now, uh, the the next thing that I really enjoyed using was that uh, giraffe bone. Uh, when we we were a blade with Eric, uh, we each got a set, and then afterwards I got another one. So, uh, you know, the, this last piece mm-hmm. I finished, the giraffe bone, all the little crackling <clears throat> in it. it you, you can see it on um, Eric's page. What was that? Uh, giraffe bone. Oh, okay. You can see it on uh, Eric Rivers' page uh, on Facebook. I post it all over there. So, you know, really, really nice to, to work with. Very well uh, stabilized. Really, uh, you can feel how dense it is. Right. Uh, I ran into one little problem, though where I was drilling my pins on the exit side of the pins it, it kind of cracked a little bit right maybe I should have used maybe a faster mm-hmm. uh, 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 setting on, on my drill press um, to ma- maybe avoid the little cracking it's almost imperceptible but it is there I mean if you look really careful right next to the pins there's a little crack where the, the the drill bit came through so you know just a, an fyi there you'd be careful kind of brittle br- uh, so brittle. i do have yeah, a trick the exit, for you yeah. you put something so, on uh, spill the beans the, the the so the first time i used it i had that issue especially with the one that i did with the the darth mall and uh i was going to be filing all the texture and all that stuff uh that stuff was pretty brittle so the couple of times that I've used it since then, I take my my son has uh, modeling clay, especially with the the profile of the actual uh, scales. They're rounded and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I did uh, some stiffer modeling clay, and I pressed the scale into it. And for one, it made it to where the, the surface was flat, but it didn't have any breakout uh, on the backside. It uh, just drilled right into the clay came out nice and clean and uh it made it to where i didn't have to worry about uh, trying to brace them and figure out all this you know so <laughs> things so when you right so when you drilled uh whatever knife you were attaching them to you just uh clamped it to the one side and then put the clay under that scale yes, as you were drilling through it and I still had the, well, the flats uh, I, of the knife on a shelf. So I had that, the flats of the knife okay. on a, a piece of wood. And then I had, I furred up the scales just a little bit and then had the clay. And I just basically furred the knife to where it just sat right on top of it. And then okay. I had everything clamped together on the back, drilled the first two holes, pinned in it, and you're pretty much good to go from there. Well, I, I, I didn't realized it was gonna do a little 
yeah they're cracking so I, I didn't take any precautions um, uh, one of the little tricks that uh, my teacher taught me was to grab a, a, a small piece of cloth be uh, from a, a, a you know a used t-shirt or something and you put right there where your pin is going to come through and a dab just a drop of super glue right there you super glue that piece of cloth right on top of your scale so when the drill bit comes through it is not busting through the the the, the bone itself is is continuing the cut all the way through the cloth and the super glue avoiding that uh, that cracking so right now i have another piece wow. of of a uh, 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 giraffe scales mm-hmm. um and the, the next knife that i make is going to be that barbecue piece and i'll be using that uh, piece of giraffe and i will try this uh little trick and I, i'll let you yeah. i'll let you guys know how it went yeah. Uh, hey, uh, my I teacher, he 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 was doing it on some uh, mammoth ivory, and he said it's very common that when you're drilling it, you're gonna have some splitting or some cracking at the exit of the bit, right? So he said that the only way he found how to stop it was to a little piece of cloth right there where the pin is gonna be coming through, and a drop of yeah. super glue right there, you know. To, to hey, I got a question, guys. Um, giraffe bone i've got some camel bone right now uh we've got the famous mm-hmm. walrus bone um, i thought you were going to say some something camel nah, something else <laughs> no nah. but um i i assume I, i'm just curious how they're sourcing these you know horn and stuff's a little bit different but i'm just curious how they're sourcing those particular things i did find out this week that forge and fire eats all the pig that they chop up on the stage oh, um, they do? it's what i what i've read in several episodes that that it gets eaten one way or the other, or it goes to uh, animal food processing. But but just out of curiosity, um, I'm gonna look in. I guess I'll look into it. We might not have the answer here, but I mean, I assume that somebody finds giraffes that's dead and then sources out all the bone. Uh, I wouldn't think that uh, anybody's eating giraffe or eating. Well, as far as I know, as far as I know, right? Uh, giraffe, they will uh, do a, a herd call every now and then is that what it is when there is uh, a quote-unquote uh, surplus animals right and i guess that's why they're so pricey you know when you buy a, a, a scale from giraffe bone because there is not a lot of them being being shot right yeah. so there's only so so yeah. much material to <clears throat> yeah to I'm, not, I'm not against it i just you know my, my grandfather taught me when i was a child don't kill it unless you're going to eat it and I've always mm-hmm. felt that way. That's the reason I was curious about what happens to the pigs on, on Forged in Fire. Um, and and I'm not a tree hugger or anything. I don't want to act like that either. It's just I just want anything to have a purpose that has a life. And, you know, if they're having to cull a herd to for disease or for herd management, you know, something like that is, is somewhat understandable. Um, but uh, with regard to... Uh, how they source these things i just think we always have to be a little bit responsible so that's that's good to hear yep yeah yeah so i mean i would guess that they will be uh, also distributing the uh the the meat for uh the villages around those uh animal preserves so i don't think anything goes to waste i mean nowadays it's i would be surprised that anything any of those uh 
things would go to waste at all. I want to say I wish we weren't a family-friendly uh, podcast right now because Jason Fry is sending me some messages. It's got me laughing. I can just tell you. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't use any walrus with any camel. Um, that's all I got to say. We'll talk about it in post show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, funny. anyway, men being men, it's, it's funny. Trust me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Chris, yeah, have you that, got have you got back into making some uh, knives? You yeah, I've got to do a, a, Yeah, I've got to do a, um, a couple, um, at least one this month. Um, a friend of mine whose son also got to Eagle Scout. Um, you know, I, I do those Eagle Scout knives with the BSA pins. Um, and so I've got one of those I need to do. And then I'll start getting ready then for the Louisiana show. I've got some really cool segmented scales that um, uh, Sarah made for me that are, I uh, got some purple and brass in them. Um, purple G10 and brass inlaid in some uh, stabilized wood and so I'm going to put a um, I've got an LSU pin and so I'm going to make an LSU knife I think I'll be able to sell that one when I go to the Louisiana knife show um, pretty certain I can sell an LSU knife there um, and then um, yeah I've got a couple of uh, other tigers. yeah I got a cu- couple of other um, <laughs> custom uh, orders that I got to work on I got a eh, it's not a full size kukri it's 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 a kukri that this this guy wants for for um, you know when he goes not bushcrafting but like when he goes to clear his uh, um, you know for hunting season and stuff yeah he's going bushwhacking he's you know working on his yeah. blind and he he just he's like look I've used yep. this cheap machete for 10 15 years he's like you know I'm I, I've got some disposable income here I want to make a nice uh, nice kukri so mm-hmm. I've designed that one up I've got to cut that one I've got some pops 8670 um in uh, quarter inch that i'm gonna make it out of um and then um yeah i just got a couple things and getting ready for that show and then um and then the other there's the um texas knife or let's see i don't know what he texas custom knife show in um yeah the one that i've been to the last couple years um down here in in conroe yep and um They've announced that Doug Markaita is going to be there. So anybody that's listening, you want to come out? Southern Star Brewery in Conroe. Nice. I think it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. So i got to work on some stuff for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll get back into it here. Uh, you know, next couple yeah. weeks I'll, I'll work on one, and then I'll, I'll really start pouring myself into it in, in August. You were uh, making a knife a day there for a while, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, whose abrasives are you using to cut these knives? I use uh, the, the stuff from Phoenix. Phoenix abrasives. Well, let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. All knife makers need abrasives, plain and simple. Here at Knives Templars, we're proud to partner with Phoenix Abrasives. I used to get my belts from another company, but they spent more time on marketing than they did customer service, sometimes taking two plus weeks to ship my order. That's not the case with Phoenix Abrasives. They're obsessed with committing all of their resources to customer satisfaction. Whether you're using a 2x72, 2x42, 1x30, or something else, they've got you covered. They even carry Rhino Wet Sandpaper. So go to phoenixabrasives.com shop and enter promo code TEMPLARS10 for 10% off your next order. All right. So, uh, 
Chris is going to be using those Phoenix abrasives, and uh, Joey uses some of those and some some others. He's got some nice equipment. Uh, Joey, you've been putting out some nice knives, so you're about making a knife a day right now. What do you got going on? Uh, let's finish up a couple of knives and uh, probably take a little break and go on vacation. Uh, but I got this uh, one Damascus knife I need to finish up. You're going to go down there and eat some shrimps? Because i got many different ways you can cook shrimps down in Orange Beach, Alabama. <laughs> and Louisiana shrimp throw stew, cakes. shrimp and potatoes. Oh, you've been down there. Yeah, I've been down there. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to finish here this uh, Damascus knife. And, uh, <laughs> He's stuck with the accent now. <laughs> no, uh, there's, a, there's a few knives I want to finish up. Uh, to bring to the uh, Louisiana show and uh, managed to profile out out of some uh, some of that 8670 this little chopper. Mm -hmm. I love that 8670 from Pops. That's some cool stuff. Yeah, it's some cool stuff. Um, heat treats well. Uh, it's good. Uh, so I'm gonna be doing some testing with that. That's mainly why I want to make it. And, you know, the uh, Pops does such a nice job of shipping, giving the refund on the shipping difference, and then getting it over to you. I mean, I'm I'm uh, in North Alabama, so I'm a four-hour drive from Pops. But uh, mail-wise, it's two days, and it's here. But uh, my office over in Georgia is about a half hour from Pops, so I think I'm going to take my truck over and just load her up next time I go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. gotta give it a try on this 8670. Everybody's been yakking about it. Yeah. I still have a whole bunch of uh, ADC RV2 and W2 sitting in my little well, little shed. Like, and when I'm done with those, then I'll, I'll get into some 8670. What I like about the 8670 is it just uh, cleans up really well. Uh, I find energy uh, carb. No, no, I uh, just. I find that it's a lot cleaner than ADC RV2. I get a lot of decarb with ADC RV2, uh, but it cleans up well, it finishes well. Uh, and, and, you know, as I've gotten into uh, acid uh, washing these things, it has such a really cool uniform darkness to it. And you can come out and you can stone wash it and you can take it back almost to as light as you want. Just mm -hmm. I, I, the last knife I made. Uh, it came out almost pitch black and uh, with a little bit of oil washing. And then I think I ended up stone washing it for a total of about 45 minutes in two different sessions. And my gosh, at the end of it, it is so uniform and beautiful. It's like my favorite still. Yeah, it lightens up. It lightens up a little bit. And if you continue to do it, you can lighten it up even more. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, you can almost just dial yeah. in the, the temperature you yep. want. Or not the temperature, but the, uh, yeah. the, the level of uh, darkness you want on it. Yeah, because I had made a few uh, little skinners with it and uh, had uh, stone washed it, and then I put it in a. I was messing around, just trying different things, and um, uh, I don't know if you guys reload, any of you guys reload or anything, but uh, I reload. So I have some stainless steel pins media to tumble my brass in. I actually tried it on a on a blade after uh, doing it, and it polished it like I wow. left actually put it in there and forgot about it, it ended up polishing it uh to a sheen and I was like wow this is kind of cool uh, but it etches dark initially people using it in Damascus yet I've seen a couple of guys online use it in Damascus but uh, it'll come out good and dark mm -hmm. I bet it does 
have, yep. a, it does. I have a piece or two. I need to try it. Yeah, you should give it a try. Hmm. It's uh, well, Richie, uh, Richie, you haven't seen or hear much of that, so that that'd be a good idea to try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I just watched and saw a couple of guys. Uh, some guy doing 15 and 20 and 8670 and 80 CRV2 hmm. uh, together, uh, which I don't know. I he was talking about it and he was supposed to post the knife after he had drawn it out and uh, I think when he was doing it he had his preform and he was gonna you know finish his final shape. Yeah. Um, but yeah, give it a try. See see how it works. I will tell you the piece that I'm working on right now, I'm somewhat ashamed of it because I'm having to put um, auburn blue and orange and white scales on it uh, for a guy. And honestly, I, I love this little design that I came up with. It's not unique. I'm sure you see other knives that are similar in style, but um, I was tickled that I drew it up and it looks so nice when I cut it out. But the guy who did it is such an Auburn uh, fan, Auburn Tigers fan, that uh, I'm doing him a favor and just gagging my way through it, <laughs> roll tide. So, so here's what here's what you do because I've had to make a couple of uh, UT knives and that that's pretty tough yeah. to do or A and M knives. Um, you can do this if you want, uh, but I tell them that I do it, but I don't really do it. Um, etch roll tide on the the tang before you tang. attach the handle, <laughs> Ooh, and then and then I'm tell weak. him that you did that. After he I'm gets it, talks I'm about weak. how great it is. Tell them that you did it, and then take gonna, a picture of it. Yeah, I'm going to scribe it. In. I've got some scribes. I'm going to scribe it into the handle underneath on the steel, and I'm going to take a picture of it, and he'll know. Make sure he pays as you long first. As he owns it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as he owns that knife, it says Roll Tide. <laughs> Auburn sucks or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's how it be I don't know. It sounds good right now. I may not do, do that. It, but, do uh, it on another – just just put roll tight on another, another tang, right, and then yeah. take a picture and then tell him and yeah, really convince it and sell it. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast and just sell <laughs> no. it, man. And then he'll be like, but what? And then finally tell him, nah, that's just a joke. Nah, here's the piece of steel that was on. That, that's yeah, actually, actually a better way to do it. Yeah. I also got in my Marabraid uh, sharpener. Um for uh, turning that uh, turning that machine uh, in reverse and uh, sharpening the blade, but I'm not uh, I don't have any knives that I uh, want to practice on. So tomorrow I'm gonna hit Walmart and get some of those uh, little thing those little uh, knives they sell over in the camping section for two or three bucks a piece, and uh, I'm just gonna sit and practice on those since they've already got a uh, a grind on them and everything, and they look like knives. I figured I'll clamp them in there and. Uh, See how well I can sharpen up that. But baton them against some cinder blocks first to dull them up. Well, I was gonna, I was definitely gonna dull them up. I wanted to see how sharp I could make them. You could baton those against cotton shirts and dull up. Don't don't worry about it. You don't need cinder blocks. You just slice through one, one cardboard box. You blow on it, they get dull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hardness is about fifty-two. What do you got going on, Richie Rich? Oh, that much. I got a, a couple profiles I'm working on, and uh, I got some 8670 piece right here that I'm yeah. showing up. That oh, that's you guys, cleaned up for you, yeah. Yeah, it sounded pretty good. Um, this is the one that I was having the issues on the grinder that I was talking about before, and it seemed like I was yeah, chasing the bubble see it. I can there. see it. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I was terrible. Look at <laughs> yeah. All right. Bah, humbug, okay. I can't um, see it. <laughs> now, other than that, I, I'm finding that I'm putting yelling? off leather You're work. Yelling? Sorry. You're yelling? Um, You're excited? Put, <laughs> putting off leather work like the plague. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. Um, 
and I, I do pretty decent, but I don't know why I keep putting it off. Yeah, um, you're like another I, guy that makes nice leather. I, I, I know. I just, I just want to avoid it like the plague. I like this. It's very tedious. Well, if, if you go back and watch Eric's episode where he's making the leather, and you know, like going back and thinking about the the, the thumb straps and and all those little things, like you before you cut your leather, like you only want to cut it once. Um, mm-hmm. And it's those things, and it's um, not one to mess up. And I only have like a little bit of leather left, so I'm kind of, I don't, eh, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, and I have a project that I need to finish a leather sheath for. I'm going to a family reunion, um, mm-hmm. golf, you know, uh, Gulf Coast there in Alabama, and uh, so I got to drop off this knife to a family member out there, and I have to finish the sheath for it and. And I, I talked it up pretty good, all the stuff that I wanted to do for it, and I haven't really done much with it yet, so I, I need to—I definitely need to deliver. Um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll get on that next week and kind of put all the knife projects aside. You know, my grinder's doing its thing anyway, so I might as well jump on leather and troubleshoot the grinder on the side. Is your uncle Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> Dan Dan. <laughs> I, I worked with him. I worked with him on a shrimp boat. Mm-hmm. You yeah. taking a knife to him? He used to work at a Bubba. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds good. Welcome to Alabama when you guys get to here to, to my adopted state. Yeah. I've been here I, since 2000. For, uh, for the people that haven't seen Matt's work, you know, he, he might he might make himself feel like he's, you know, stressed out about it, but he does really good leather work whenever he's doing leather work. You gotta, he, he made oh. this sheath for the, the dagger challenge, for the, the viewer's yeah, knife dagger challenge. Nice. And that, man, that sheath was so pretty yeah. for, that, for that dagger. It was... You did an amazing job, so I gotta give you credit for that. You you Thank do good leather work, just don't overthink yourself. Right, I think that's yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Yeah, dude, that thing like, was uh, beautiful. Thank you. Well, the riot well, and rich. Well, guys, uh, you know the, the the leather you guys make, it, it's pretty nice. I, I've been putting some effort into leather, and uh, you know, I I really struggle with leather. So Your stuff looks the, pretty good. You know, you're coming along yeah. real well. Yeah, but I mean, you know, this this is my latest yeah, little piece. Looks, uh, you know, it's it's, it's okay. Awesome. It, it's all right. It's just that uh, I don't know. I took some advice from the guy doing the English bridal stuff, how he was rounding off the edges uh, rather than just blocking them off square. And my last couple of sheets just look beautiful from taking the edges and, and putting a curve in them rather than mm-hmm. just flat. It's gorgeous look. But you know what? How long does it take to get from Waco down to Dallas? From Waco or, or excuse Dallas? me, Wichita from Falls Waco? to Dallas. Wichita Falls to Dallas. Excuse me. Uh, about an hour and oh, forty minutes. Hour and a half. half. Yeah. Yeah. Depending All on right. how fast you're driving. How long does it take you to get to <laughs> Dallas, uh, Chris? Uh, three hour, two. Oh. Yeah, three hours. Two hours All and forty-five right. well, minutes. If you guys started driving and met in the middle, probably down around Fort Worth or maybe around Waco, that would encompass two hours and six minutes and forty seconds, which is how long we've been on the air today. So uh, we have completed <laughs> our latest episode of the Knives Templars. And hey, I want to thank Jason Fry being on with us this week. Jason, you Absolutely. have an open invitation to come back and be with us anytime. You're a wonderful person, and uh, I'm going to be ordering some books. Week. Your mom likes you? Yeah, my mom likes me. Well, well, I would say there's probably a few more people than your mom like you. So, guys, uh, it's good to have the whole team here together. And uh, we'll come back together here in a couple weeks and do episode number 12. But I want to thank everybody for coming on and listening to the Knives Templars. Thanks a lot. Have a blessed day. And quality base here. The Eagle has landed.
the after show where things get wild <laughs> and weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Started yeah, off show. with pinto Before. sauce. Pinto. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this may go online. We just just. <laughs> I'll have um, to beep this out. Well, <laughs> see, the, the best part about this is, again, Jason, how long have you been making knives? Long 14, 14 years. years. So whenever he tells you this, you're probably going to think, what? And Odysseer, I will, I will bleep <laughs> this out. When you say what it is, if you feel like you want to, I'll go bleep. You know, it'll do something on the podcast. Okay, I mean, you know, as the, long as they some the like a, like a <laughs> an NDA. Okay, and let, let's let's do this real quick. Number if, one, if I will we have an NDA and no disclosure agreement and stuff, you know, I don't want anybody blowing up yeah, their okay. shit. Okay, but I will, I, will, I will bleep it out on the podcast. So, Odysseer, pinto sauce. If you, it's up to you. I'm not forcing you or telling you to. This is totally up to you. No, I mean, may, maybe he already heard about it. It's just that it's... it's I never the heard any uh, American knife maker talk about it, right? And when when my teacher told me, okay, this is what you use, and you know, it's going to quench 1095. Wait, 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 wait. I've got, I've got something to do here. I'm do directly something. connected to Jason Fry right now. Just one second. Mm-hmm. I am sending him... All right, he knows what it is now. All right, now you don't have to mention what it is on the air. He will see what it is on his screen. That's probably a thing, actually. I mean, it's it's a it's a fast oil, right? Probably works just fine if it doesn't catch yep. your house on fire. I've been, I've, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been using yeah. it with with uh, with success in uh, all yeah. my uh, all my carbon steel. You know, mm-hmm. uh, fifty one sixty, uh, ten eighty four, eighty CRV two, fifty two one hundred. Yep, yep, may, yeah, 5200, uh, this uh, mm-hmm. uh, so Alabama, Damascus. <laughs> Even told you about some uh, CPM 154, huh? No, 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 that, that, that's a different oh, thing. Wow. That was different? Okay. That's a different thing. Now, the, the only trick there is that when you do your quench, you cannot leave any red hot Outside. over yeah. the line, right? Uh, you have to completely submerge in. it, right, and, completely. And, and you got a butt you know, pucker, BD. You got a good, good butt pucker. Uh, you know, the, the, the first, oh, yeah. the first three, the first uh, butt pucker first syndrome, three, BPS. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first three quenches that I did with it, I did it outside just in case. You know, Smart. it went boom, right? <laughs> Where after uh, you know it didn't explode on me or catch on fire. You know, yeah, I moved. He, he inside used to look like Fabio, and the scarring wouldn't let him grow his hair back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I was fixing to say, is that why he keeps his hair short? It grows, it grows so back all know. patchy now. So you know, you know. Patchy it, the pinto. It's, uh, you know, it, it's working fine for me, right? It's working fine for me. So I could, I could see that from a metallurgical standpoint. You can't advertise it because then somebody's going to do it and blow right. something up. But now, how can we yeah. laugh at him if you're sitting there asking... Up. How can we laugh at him every time he says it? If you're acting like, from a technical standpoint, this sounds very good. Man. We need to get. <laughs> now he sounds like, a, but but now he sounds like a, a PhD wizard or something because. Well, well, let's get Dr. Thomas on. Let's get Larry and Thomas on and ask him. <laughs> let's get Fire Marshal. Let's get Fire Marshal Bill on. <laughs> so old Luke, Luke Swenson, do you know him, slip joint maker? He was a fireman, retired. He might tell you about all that. 
<laughs> I have but, not been uh, brave enough to try the, the to try it yet. Not yeah, I haven't yet. tried that the pinto sauce, but I've tried something else. The grass is and, too dry in Texas right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so again, if we're if we're doing a non-disclosure, um, my next video, I'm not as famous as Eric, um, but I've got about four thousand people that follow me on on YouTube. And, I had one nice. that, for some stupid reason, like your file, and hit the algorithm, and there's no reason why, but it it, it topped a million, yep. like a million two, and then the rest of them were like two hundred, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. What what is what is your what's your YouTube channel? Uh, Fry custom knives. Okay. Good. And everything I do is branded all the same. Good deal. Um, <laughs> yep. But same. I'm gonna do one. Um, it's gonna be stupid, but maybe it'll take off on reels. So I'm gonna get a magnifying glass and a ball bearing, and like. Yeah, you know, and then I'm gonna hammer it like two hammers, and I'm gonna throw a billet up there and like pretend like I'm <laughs> with the sun. Since everybody's talking about it, and now yeah. I've got oh, yeah. so I'll just you know maybe I'll, I'm trying to think of a good way to do it like that Neil Kamenura video where he drops it and he picks it up and it's something oh, yeah. else. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. um, yeah. I haven't quite got the logistics down. Right, <laughs> I'm forging with the, the sun. With the mm-hmm. sun. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like when you posted that. Uh, Forging sun. No. It's so hot on Facebook, or like, yeah. I forgot what it was. Yeah. yeah. I did that. Yeah. I was just fishing. I was like, I need a few. And I used the one I, I like from myself, you know, about it. It's hotter than your mom was in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll go back through and I'll pick a couple of more probably to throw into that video <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had to awesome. stop i was i was like yeah i better stop here jason's probably gonna be like who is this dude on my post <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all probably know from doing this you know if you put yourself on daggum television yeah. Yeah, you, you, all, all bets are off <laughs> yep um, that's one of the pleasant oh, or yeah. unpleasant side effects it's like hey you're sitting like eric you know 20,000 people are following you, that means at least 10,000 of them are knuckleheads. Uh, yeah, true. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So, Jason, you must, you must be My in the Hampton Inn in Ann Arbor right now? <laughs> no, I'm in, uh, am I in a Hampton? Yeah, this is a Hampton, I think. I, was gonna, I, I, stay, I sleep at the Hampton. It's my second bedroom. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say I recognize it. There he is. Yeah, we're Those mirrors Hampton. look the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that room two forty six? Let me tell you. No, let no, me tell you. It's got a stain was, on the wall. I can tell. <laughs> no, it's not that. I had my stomach was hurting that night, and I didn't make it out of bed. <laughs> yeah. we, went to, we went to Hammer in and Abilene a couple of weeks ago, and we stayed at this hotel where the cops had shot a guy like three days okay. before. Like he was whooping his old Holy lady cow. or something in the in the room, and they called the police and. And uh, he pulled a gun on the police, and that was that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that never ends well. Yeah. That never yeah, ends well. Do it. No, no. Yeah. Man, there was, there was like one full set of teeth among the six or seven people in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was rough. But it was one night. I mean, we can talk. As long as you had enough teeth to, teeth to chew a burger, I mean, we're good. <laughs> now, talking about Combined, that, talking about the uh, crappy hotels, have you, have any of you ever been to uh, Luray in Virginia? You know, they have the Luray Caverns. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been through there, yeah. Yeah, you know, Shenandoah Valley, Luray Caverns, you know. It's, 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 it's a pretty 
hole on the ground, okay? It's, it's a big cave. It has a lot of stalactites, stalagmites and stuff. And uh, the, the town around it is very old-style uh, American country little towns, right? Pull-in motels? Yes. And a lot of Appalachian Trail travelers the, stay through there. I would say with no uh, hesit- uh, hesitation. The worst motel slash hotel I have ever been in my life. Uh, we got this room for two nights. I stayed one night, and next morning I ran away. I just dropped the key <laughs> on the drop box, and I took off like, adios. A, like the play. Adios, but you, you were in bear couple country. Of things, couple of things happened there, right? As soon as we walked in, I'm not a smoker. But the heavy smell of cigarettes on that room, the, 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 the ceiling was all stained, mm-hmm. the carpet was all grit, gritty and grimy, right? And as soon as we turned off the lights, roaches came out of <laughs> everywhere. Ooh. That's just right? ambiance. Mm-hmm. We, ambiance. you know, I, okay, I said, okay, I told my wife, okay, let's leave the bedroom light on. So, you know, scare the roaches away, right? So he won't be crawling on us all night long. <laughs> just roaches, so, there's just roaches on the line of the shadows. Just yeah. waiting for the sunlight yeah, yeah. to just disappear. Just so like it's hard yeah, to yeah, yeah, It's like the, yeah, the, the, the William Wallace of roaches, you know? They're all just yeah. like lined up, up about to go into battle. I woke <laughs> up around 3 in the morning, like and I heart. look at the nightstand, and there's this little roach sitting on the edge of the nightstand just looking at me like, Hello, how are you? <laughs> hey, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt my eyes. And, and to top it off, right? No, no, no. Let me, let me guess because I'm a mind reader. The 25-cent deposit here box on the bed massager didn't work. No, no, no. We, we <laughs> don't have that luxury there. <laughs> The, uh, the 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 front door neighbor all night busy if you catch my drift oh my god oh they were doing okay. aerobics aerobics busy yeah. all night Let's you could hear the door going bloop 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 30 minutes later bloop 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 was the worst oh, that's night a different type ever ahead in a hotel a motel yeah. somewhere okay it's i'll yeah. never going back there Maybe the toilet was just backed up. They'd gone yeah. to rock over yeah, yeah, So, yeah. like, they, they the door kept going opening and closing? Yeah. yeah well, maybe <laughs> he was fighting off. talking about a different type of busy. Maybe yeah, he was just no, fighting roaches. So. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were beating roaches. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was just, <laughs> he was just throwing he was handful, go. handful like, yeah. of roaches <laughs> out the front door. <laughs> they were running into your room. Maybe the roach was over there trying to say, help my family escape from over there. I, I, you know, it's one, one of them places where I say, I don't want to go back there. And I've slept in some uh, some, some bad places before. Yeah. You know, I used to camp a lot back in Brazil. And, you know, it's um, I slept on a, during a thunderstorm and half of the, the bodies on the water and because <laughs> the whole area got flooded. You know, And uh, I slept on an old farmhouse where we had big old rats running around uh so i've been in, in, in some in some 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 ugly places i but, slept out in the forest like with this Bigfoot one here where <laughs> america right you know it's supposed to be clean and you know it, it was okay hey, now nah. hey pinto i slept Talk in the for- i slept in the forest with bigfoot we were 18 miles in cody and i were sitting down in the uh ravine you know cody we yeah. were sitting down in the ravine where we camped 
and we had just got setting up it was starting to get dark and a, a tree that's like 24 inches around comes bouncing down the hill just we hear it crack and it just rolls down the hill and all night long laying in my hammock i heard something walking up and down making noises and sloshing in the little creek uh, it was a small river uh, beside us uh, how would you like it if you woke up in the middle of the night had that looking at you from the uh, nightstand Cool. Yeah, well, we all have our problems, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I'm crazy. No, I'm crazy. no, I, 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 don't doubt. I think you. he would probably prefer that. No, I, 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 I had that. my, uh, my weird experiences. <laughs> I've seen some weird stuff. I heard some so, weird stuff. So you know, what's the weirdest sound you ever heard while you were in the woods, Chip? Um. A uh, big round person falling down the side of a hill and making squeals as they bounced. <laughs> Good thing they had a knife sheath to stop them. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. Um, the the weirdest right? thing I've heard is is two is two uh, two bobcats or one bobcat and something else screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you that uh, barred owls will scare the crap out of somebody that doesn't know what they are at night. Uh, bobcats screaming will scare you to death Um, pumas sound like a woman screaming Uh, yeah (laughs) that's probably the worst of it because you hear a coyote and you go oh that's a coyote Um, you know you hear things walking through but middle of night yeah it's creepy as all uh, a bobcat will thank you (laughs) will will make you think the demons are upon you about to eat you and I typically I sleep with earplugs out in the forest uh, yeah. Just because the guys I travel with, a lot of them will, they snore in their own tents and it's enough to wake up the forest. Um, or sometimes you just don't listen to forest noises. You don't lay there and start thinking that that squirrel's out of the Bigfoot. So, anyway. Now, on, on, on that note, uh, remember I told you I heard some weird stuff. Didn't see anything, but I heard some weird stuff. Turkey hunting, early uh, early season of uh, 12, I think. You know, we always go hunting, you know, early in the morning, at least hour before sunrise. Right. So you want to be in your stand. <clears throat> and uh, so I got in, hour before sunrise, chose the spot, sitting there. I would say just at the crack of dawn where is everything is gray. There is no real color. If you hunted and you've been out in the morning, you know what I'm talking about. Just before light, everything is gray. There is no color. Okay. And on my right, I'm sitting on a with my back right behind, you know, a, a big old tree. So I'm looking in, in this area here. And I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, in, under the canopy, okay? I'm not in the field. On my right side, I don't know how far, I would say about 50, 60 yards, but the, the forest is dense in the, in the spring. I hear tree knocks, pop, 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 in a row, right? I said, dude, some guy coming to hunt, already light, where light is coming on. Turkeys are going to be coming down the trees any minute now, and this dude is knocking around. I wait. Okay, no problem. Let the guy go, right? All of a sudden, again, another tree. You know, like just like that. Now, this time, it wasn't on my right. It was <coughs> to my back a little bit. It's still on my right, but t- towards my back a little bit, right? And it did that, I would say, about eight or nine times, making 
a half circle around me. By the fourth time, it was right behind me. So I switched my stance there. Okay, screw the turkeys. I will put a, 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 a you know, a shell on this <laughs> MFR as soon as I see him. So I'm standing, and now I switch my stance from the turkey over here that I was waiting for. Now I'm facing this way, and I'm actually aiming. I'm not, right now I'm pissed off and I'm getting spooked, right? I don't know who this guy knocking wood over here. But he's about you to know, get some so three and a half like, inch five sounded like shot, some shot, guy, shot, sounded shot. like some guy with a big old baseball bat smacking trees, right? In the morning, in the middle of the woods. At the time, I'm thinking, okay, some hippie over here trying to spook all the all the uh, the turkeys because we have a lot of this here in Maryland, you know, a lot of anti-hunting and stuff. Never anything crossed my mind that anything you know related to. Uh, the big guy or anything like this, right? It, you know, it's, I just found that to be a very weird uh, thing that happened. And the last time the knocking happened was on my left, and then it just vanished out that way, right? So that, that was the uh, one of the weirdest things, you know. Sounds like a real Sam Squatch. It was yeah, a Sam you know, Squatch. Some, some, uh, some, some creepy hippie, you know. Y'all don't watch ta- Trailer Talk Park Boys. Sam's watch. Yeah. Well, on that, guys, we've been on here about two and a half hours. Uh, y'all have got a big weekend ahead of you. Uh, Matthew Rich's baby is two and a half hours older in development and coming along just fine. And all right. Yeah. And uh, Jason, we hope to have you on here again. You're a pleasure. And uh, you. Yeah. You, uh, oh, thanks, Jason. We, we enjoy you. Yeah. So I hope to get to meet you. Uh, in person Absolutely. sometime. Yeah, so. I'll, be at, I'll be at Blade, Texas, and then back at Atlanta. I'm not going to Blade West. Gotcha. That's gotcha. my next. I have to check out a couple of these books. Well, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the stop recording here, and I want you guys to hold on to your says 100%, and then we can hang up from there. Brought to you by Podcast Productions. Oinky oinky oinky.